Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Friday, September 23rd. It's time for a freaky free-for-all Friday, and also it's time for another episode of Trucking Technology and Efficiency. Uh, Joel can't make it today. John is here with me, so I think I'm just going to bring John in right now, and we'll jump in and get started. John, welcome back. Hi, Kevin. Good to be here. Great to have you here. I just want to let everybody know phone lines are open. It is Anything Goes today, 855-950-3835. Looks like they're coming in already. We'll get to them in just a little bit. Uh, John, what's new and exciting with you this week? Um, not a whole lot. Spent the week. I guess I traveled down to uh, Atlanta. Did a little testing on Monday. Got right back on Tuesday and was in the shop. You know, working on cars. And right now, I'm driving down to Danville, Virginia, for the SCCA National Championship races. Got it. So. Okay. Uh, if I drop out or so, I think I'm good. I think I've got good coverage where I am, and I've got my diesel headset on again. So, and I'll, and I'll try to keep the microphone from creeping the whole way up to my nose like it was last week. So, got it. All right, sounds good. No, no, so, more, no more heavy breathing. Although Angie's texting me about something, I I can't read my text while I'm driving here. I wonder what she's up to. Do uh, I sound all right? Uh, yeah, you sound okay. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, looks at, uh, it doesn't look like Angie sent it over the show chatter. I'd be able to see it. So, uh, Okay, all right, cool. Yeah, we're good. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of, the same, kind of the same for me this week. Um, I've been playing hooky a lot lately from work. I have a lot going on otherwise, so I haven't really been watching the news reading or doing much of anything work-wise i've been kind of taking it easy but um, oh go ahead it's like groundhog day it's all on replay anyway you don't need to you know you catch you watch the news once a week and it's the same as it was the week before it's not that big of a deal you know it's it's really um i hate to admit this but there was a time in my life where i watched a soap opera uh-huh. Uh huh. The Young and the Restless back in the uh, late seventies, early eighties. Well, I guess it would have been early eighties. Um, I, I owned the gym. I had just opened the gym. I just graduated from high school. We had opened the gym, and I was there in the morning and opened it. And I would. It was really quiet in the morning in the gym. There, did, not that many people came in. So I started watching the stupid soap opera, and I got hooked. And the crazy thing is, they suck you in, don't they? They do. The crazy thing is, you know, at first you could miss a couple of days and go, well, it's not like I really missed anything. And then I realized you could miss a week. And then it was like, you could miss six months. Nothing changes. You come back and, and figure like, it out. I know. You can figure it out. Yeah. You can just figure it out. Yeah. And that's kind of like the news in politics. It's the same thing. Well, that, that's funny. My uh, my ex used to watch uh, General Hospital. It was and every now and then I'd watch with her because with DVR it should want to watch it at night. So you know if I wanted to spend some time with her, I'd sit down and would be watching GH. And like I would not be away or do whatever or not do that with her for a couple of weeks. And I'd sit down and I'd know exactly what was going on. I'm like that's, that's how it is. The same thing. Like I said, I, I get away, I travel, I I ignore the news and the politics and whatever, and I get back and I'll you know flip on one of the morning shows in the morning. I'm like yeah, it's all the same. So, I, I, I'm, <laughs> so. I'm, I'm threatening. I'm kind of running out of time. I, I threatened to take all of October off the news completely. 
Like I've been moving away from the. Yeah, news I heard you site. say that the other day. I was listening to the pit last week. Yeah, I think you should. I think we should all do that. I know. I know. It's <laughs> especially it's now. Take it off. Yeah, just with, stop. With the midterms coming up in November, October, the news is just going to be awful. It's just going to be political. <laughs> and and while you're watching TV, you're going to get bombarded with political commercials and. I, I just want to take the right. whole month off and just say the hell with it. Let's wake and up just, in November and, and, you know, and see what the TV's happens. Bad, but man, the, the cheap sources like like YouTube and stuff. Some of the some of the ads that are popping up, it's just it's it's terrible. It's like I can't even watch YouTube now. I know it, it's really tough, and I refuse to pay for it. So right. if I pay for it, I can get rid of the ads, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's, I don't need another subscription. So yeah. So speaking of like soap operas and series and things, I know you really got into Yellowstone, and and I tried and I didn't. I, maybe I need. I'll, I will revisit it. So on Delta flights, I got into watching this past. I, I, I try to fly Delta exclusively. They're the best. Um, so they have this 1883, which is a prequel to uh, uh, to Yellowstone, right. and I am so addicted to it. It's amazing. Like I, I so- it is so good. Uh, Sam Elliott, just uh, his character in there, and Billy Bob Thornton was in it. And I mean, it was just, and I'm not so, quite through the first season. So if you finish the first season, don't oh, tell me about oh, it. Oh, oh, and, and that little girl in there, that, that little girl is fucking amazing. Excuse me, I said an F word. I'm sorry. That's but, fine. We're allowed to say whatever we amazing. want. Here. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> her character is unreal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, and I don't know so, who she becomes or who they become. I didn't watch Yellowstone, so I don't know where this is all going. And, you know, they're on their way to Oregon. And then, you know, I just love Sam Elliott. And like, you know, hey, Captain, why are you doing this? He goes, I just want to see it one more time. I'm like, I get that. Like, I'm like, I, I, I see that. And it's just, uh, so, it, it's an amazing series. I guess you've watched it. So I have. Yeah. So, you know, when I watched Yellowstone, seriously, I was hooked from the very first episode. And I, so, but there's also, I've, I've kind of noticed a pattern with these like series that run like this. You can get a really good first season, sometimes an even better second season. They tend to start to fall apart in the third season. They're just not as good. And that kind right. of happened last year, last season on Yellowstone. It was okay. Um, wasn't a great season. Uh, so we'll see if they can recover from that. But the 1883, the first I think like three episodes, maybe even four. I had to really struggle to get through it. It felt to me like it just wasn't okay. going anywhere. Like I, what's you know? So it was really slow, but I stuck with it, and I'm glad I did because I it was really good. And you're right, the characters. It just took a while for that one to get rolling for me. And then I'm doing the same thing. I'm thinking, okay, let's see. It's 1883. That's like 150 years. How many generations is that? And who are these people going to become? You know. So I'm trying to figure it out. <laughs> So, well, I'll, I'll, now I'll watch Yellowstone one after I'm done with this. Uh, and again, it's only the first season right now, so I'm not sure. I've not finished it yet. Like I said, I'm at like episode five or six. And it, same with same. You know, it, with me, I, I wouldn't say it grabbed me immediately, but I really like Sam Elliott. And yeah. Uh, yeah. what's his name? The, the main character, the country singer hey. and his wife, uh, they, they're fantastic. You know, uh, that, I was going to say that yeah. I was impressed with those two. You know, you expect Sam Elliott to be good. Um, the young girl, I'm yeah. blown away by her. She's got a real career ahead of her. But those two surprised me. I mean, they're not actors. They're country music yeah. stars, but they are really good. I'm 
yeah. So like there are little things with them and like, he, he was such a badass. Like, I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be worth watching just for him. Right. And, and then, you know, the little girl, even on the train ride, she manages to get into trouble and, you know, comes and jumps <laughs> off the back of the train when she sees her dad. And, you know, like it was just, okay, so this could get interesting. Yeah. And then the whole, you know, the whole thing with the immigrants and, you know, the getting them to getting them to the West and, you know, and that's all true. That all happened. Like it's, it's so cool. You know, it's, uh, you, you know, here's the difference. It was, uh, you know, I loved. Uh, we we know that that all happened. It's true. We learned about it in school, but this made it so real. You know, you you start to think about because we've driven across all of this stuff. You start to think about what it would be like to to try to move all these people with you know horse and wagons, and it's pretty incredible. And then there's you know bandits everywhere and uh, the native americans and you just think about what that must have been like like seriously just think about the food how do you feed all those people oh, and yeah. keep resupplying and it's just incredible what we were able to do that and and they took a whole herd of cattle right I mean, think about that's that. right i, I and, never you know, thought so about I'm that i'm working yeah. all of our diet stuff into it <laughs> You know, and okay, so grains were survival food, but they took a whole herd of cattle to butcher and, 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 and live on. You yeah, know, they had and, 50 head of cattle. Yeah, and I promise you, with all that cattle there, nobody was looking around to forage plant food. Oh, no. 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 You, so, you, so it, you know, we got lost in the last 100 years. 150 years ago, we still had it figured out. Right. You know, so yeah. it's just, uh, you know, and, and Tim McGraw with his deal, you know, he goes shoot a deer once in a while and, you know, keep that keep that on his wagon as well. And, yeah, that was just, uh, that was so, it's so cool. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah. When, when, when Sam dumped all their stuff out before they crossed the river. Oh, yeah. I'm a musician. Well, you're not a musician now. You're a pioneer. Like, that's over. That's like, right. Like, that's, like, <laughs> that's right. You might yeah. be able to do that again someday, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right now, everything is about survival. Nothing else. It, it's about pure right. survival. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. But, uh, it, it was amazing. So I, I had to share that. My, my last four flights have been dedicated to watching uh, 1883. So now I'm going to have to pay for another service to get, uh, yeah, that's to right. get Paramount or whatever that's on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It goes another 10 bucks a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, all right. What else we got going no. on? Um, the stock Not market's I mean, tanking. It's been fun watching. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's going to happen. It's, uh, it, 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 yeah, I don't know what to tell you about. It's got to I, I, like, tear off the Band-Aid. I wish it happened exactly. sooner or later. And, I know. You know but, it, and, and rebuild. Yeah, so. It, it, I think it finally is going to happen. You know, we've been bouncing around, and this is pretty typical. You can look back at 08 and 01 and... Pretty typical that, you know, the way these patterns work, it almost seems like out of the blue, you get a big down day and then everybody's talking about it, but then it kind of recovers and it bounces around and it's up and it's down and it's up and it's down. I think it finally broke. I mean, we're 1,500 points down in just a couple of days and we've dropped down under 30,000, which is kind of a support point. So I, I think that the Band-Aid just got pulled off. I, I think we're we'll see that. <laughs> so, and same with the real estate market. And I'll you know I'll keep you guys posted if my stuff slows down. Like I said, I'm, I think I'm a better indicator than the old boat index. I mean, because nobody needs to do what I do. Exactly. Or are the people I'm now dealing with just insulated, like from you know from the real world so much? You know, with the, with the the transfer of wealth to the top that happened over the whole COVID thing. 
you know, are, are they just that far ahead? Are they just spending, you know, dividends that they're making off of who knows what? So in which case, the stock market could affect it. Uh, but, you know, these people are they're probably not even touching the principle of what they make or what they have. So I'll be curious to see, you know, what falls off here, how things tighten up here. You know, I'm not, I'm not concerned. I mean, I'll always survive it. It's, that's not an issue for me. Uh, but you know, I'll always, you know, but I need to strike while the iron's hot. Right. So we, yeah. we've got good stuff happening now. I'm going to do it. But uh, yeah, so I'll, I'll, I'll use my economic indicator of what, you know, what, what rich people are doing. Good. So good. to see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, um, aside from that, uh, on it, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I was good. Well, no, you better, uh, my topic's kind of big, so let's do yours first. Oh, no, no, I just, you know, Miss, Miss Joel, two, two weeks in a row, he's being like me now. Yeah, uh, I know. So, and likewise, if, if I am on next Friday, I'll be driving from Atlanta back to Virginia, so I'm, I don't the logistics didn't work for flying on this trip. I've got testing at Virginia this week for SEC National Championships. Then I have our final IMSA race of the year on Thursday and Friday in Atlanta. And from Danville to Raleigh to Atlanta Airport and then back out to Brazelton where the track is and Atlanta traffic and oh, the hour yeah. and a half well. and then be there an hour before flight. <laughs> yeah, it's like right. I told the guys, I'm like, yeah, don't bother buying me flights for this one. I'm going to drive. So yeah. I'll, I'll just, you know, I'll just, I'll just, yeah. So I've got, so Friday afternoon, I'll be heading back from uh, Atlanta to uh, back to VIR for the actual races. So uh, I'll be, I'll be on there again, but you know, missing Joel, but it's fun uh, watching what's going on with his truck. Uh, you know, he's got, got Dwayne there. So he's got Dwayne and Joel's excellent adventure going on. <laughs> That's and right. they, you know, seeing that, that someone who is not a truck driver is still knocking down big numbers in that thing. I realized you got Joel sitting with him telling him what to do, but still it's, uh, it's kind of neat to see, you know, what that truck does out of the box. It really is. So if, if you know, uh, follow along with that because Joel's posting, he posted again this morning, some of the results. And I, that not only is it, you know, really a, a very, very inexperienced driver, um, it's a pretty challenging area they're in. I mean, they're 73,000 pounds oh, yeah. out west. I told him, I, you know, I saw his last post and I'm like, hey, you're on 84. Just keep heading west and you'll be at my house before you know it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a beautiful drive. Yeah. yeah it doesn't have a stop there. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah I love so, that ride. So, here's the idea. But that's I just, uh, cool, but. Oh, finish up. Okay, Go good. Ahead. Um, you know, e- even then, if you look at what Joel's done, you know, he got that truck, and, and we say out of the box, but you'll notice that he went and did the wheel bearings and a few other little things before it ever hit the road. Right. Yep. So as good as Volvo is, these little things that I like to talk about, you know, parasitic drag that you get from wheel bearings and alignment and such, it's really important, you know. So to say that's an out-of-the-box truck, I mean, it's, it, you know, he, he might have picked up, you know, three-tenths to a half, half a mile per gallon just doing that stuff. So my recommendation, recommendation to anybody who does this is get to, you know, either get, get, get to Chad or up to Michigan and, and get, get the work done immediately, like take your truck straight there. Uh, one, your, your tires will like you a lot more and you'll, you'll, you know, everything will be better. So that's, uh, to me, that needs to be a PSA on new trucks as much as we're, we've been talking about, you know, just, just get yourself a new Volvo or a Mac and go out and get lots of miles per gallon. You know, you still, there's still a little bit of work to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And when you think about that, it's a minor cost 
you do get the benefits to the tires themselves, which is huge. And then that kind of stuff lasts a long time for how little you spend to do it. So the savings are cumulative over long periods of time. There's a huge return on that. Even though it's a small gain in fuel mileage, there's a huge return because what you have to do to achieve it doesn't cost much and it lasts a long time. Yeah, like I said, that's a no-brainer. That's just good maintenance. You know, even, okay, it's brand new. It shouldn't need maintenance, but it's just, regardless, it's, you know, I file that under, you know, just just basic prep that you need to do. Uh, It's just, just, it's a total no-brainer. And, you know, I I understand why the manufacturers can't let them out the door like that, you know, to big fleets and you've got, you know, really, really rookie truckers who don't care or whatever. So, you know, they need to put that little vector in the, in the axles to keep the thing going straight on the crown of a road. And they, there are things they need to do. Right. Uh, just, just, you know, from, you know, for the masses, that doesn't mean it's right or wrong. You know, it just means it's something they need to do for the masses. But those of us who, you know, who don't mind holding the wheel a little bit to keep the thing off the crown of the road or whatever, that's <laughs> no big deal, right? It's still going to save you, save you fuel mileage. You know what I just thought of on that? I kind of grew up in the motocross world. I started racing pretty young and stuck with it for a lot of years. And, you know, I kind of look at what we're doing with trucks. Going back to that, like the first signature truck, we really started to push the limits and try new stuff. And, you know, now we're actually specking trucks much more like that from the factory. It's kind of like in the racing world, you know, you have the factory race team. And they get all the cool new technology and, you know, that most of that stuff eventually makes its way into, you know, the bike you can buy off the showroom. It's kind of what we're doing with trucks. We're kind of like the right. factory race team. It's what I do every day. Yeah, yeah I get it. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. right now, I mean, with the spec or tightly emolligated cars, not as much, but it, it really is. It's what, what, it's what I do. Yeah. And, you know, we go back and forth on things and we try things over again and we will revisit things and every now and then we'll just find something. It's, uh, you know, it was, uh, we were testing all day, but we did a 12 hour test uh, Monday at, at uh, road Atlanta. We couldn't get the track for two days. So we, they, they offered it to us for from 8am to 8pm. So we, I don't want to say we worked our asses off, but we made tiny, tiny changes. I did one where I put a, uh, a little spacer in the front suspension just to keep the front end off the ground under brakes into one of the turns. And it was like a three tenth improvement. Wow. You know, it just, it was just a simple little, yeah. you know, it would, you know, the driver who happened to be my son, he said, Hey, I'm struggling with a little bit of entry stability. When I really challenge the brakes into turn 10, you know, it just seems to put a little too much on the nose. I'm like, all right, I'll put a four millimeter spacer in the bump stop. <laughs> four millimeters. Okay. Like, yeah, man. <laughs> Fixed it. Yeah. You know, it was like, it was, uh, it was just, uh, yeah. Okay. So he goes, you know, you guys, I can feel it hit the bump stop now and it's, it's stable. It doesn't just, you know, the front doesn't bottom out anymore. It's just not on the nose. And yeah, it's really, you know, meaning that the thing would get a little bit loose on, on braking and, you know, felt like the back end would come around on them a little bit. But when I just firmed up the front of touch, that didn't happen anymore. There so, you yeah. go. So this kind and of plays into thing my with topic. Your, with your truck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So go on. Um, I kind of tell the whole story of how this came about. So Brittany, uh, who works for us, worked for us for a long time. Mm-hmm. Her husband, Danny, I, I tried yeah. several times to get him to work for us. He's, he's just, he's brilliant. He really is. And he's a numbers guy and he's got an accounting degree and he's just amazing with spreadsheets and he's very OCD about certain things. Um, 
he's just really a pretty unique guy. But he came up with this. He, for a while, he was he had an auto repair shop, um, and he was buying and selling used cars. So he'd buy cars that might need work. He'd work on them, get them ready, sell them. He was really doing well with it. So he came up with this spreadsheet. And what he did was he took all the criteria that was important buying a used car and buying a used car, knowing you're going to flip that car. That that was kind of his model. Right. So he wrote this spreadsheet where he took all the factors that are important, price, mileage, condition, you know, how popular is this model? He had all kinds of data. And then he wrote a, a kind of an algorithm, basically a formula that would weight those and then you could change your your weighting. You know, what's really important this time? Is it price or is it, you know, mileage? You could kind of shift that around. And I looked at it. It's a pretty incredible spreadsheet. He put a lot of work into it. And I thought, okay, why wouldn't we do something like this for trucks? It would be so much more powerful than it is even for a car. You think about it. If I'm going to buy a car and no matter what model it is, that's pretty much the car. You know, we don't spec cars. It's not like you pick, you know, from a bunch of different engines and transmissions and rear end ratios. And we don't do that. Cars are cars. So, you know, it's much easier to value a car because they're all basically the same. With trucks, that's not true. Right. I mean, I could look at two trucks that are the exact same model. And one of them I wouldn't even want to own, and another one I might be willing to pay a premium for because they're just specced so differently. Right. So I got thinking how powerful of a tool that could be. What if we were to, and of course, we, you start with spreadsheets, and then you kind of build it into a database, but ultimately, why not an app? You know, we've talked about how even specking new trucks is getting far more complicated now. Because everybody's proprietary, and we're, we're really learning, how do you spec this truck? And then it gets further, how do you spec this truck for this job? Well, what about if we wanted to spec it for this job? So I got thinking we could come up with three or four, maybe even five, that's kind of pushing it, specs for each model. You know, if you want to drive this brand of truck here's the best way to spec it for, you know, a van operation. Here would be a great way to spec it for a heavy haul or, you know, and it's, it, it would be a lot of work. But once it was done, that'd be a pretty powerful tool. And then we could even add, because it's an app, you know, I have a whole chapter on all kinds of tips on buying a used truck. What are you looking for? What kind of inspections do you want to do? You could build that stuff into the app. So not only will we show you how to spec a truck, whether it's new or used, because that's different too, but we'll show you specifically on that model. Then we could go another step. What are those things you should do before you ever even put it on the road? And then what kind of maintenance things should we watch out for? So this app could kind of evolve into here's the best way to find and spec and buy a truck, whether it's new or used. And then the app keeps working after that because here are some things you should be doing over the life of that truck. That's brilliant. Yeah, we could do that for sure. I've always had, my time at Pittsburgh Power, people want to you know, talk about the mods to make to their truck. 
um, you know, the most important metric there was usually what was most, uh, most, most, most profitable for Pittsburgh power. But regardless, uh, we, I, I would have what I call on race cars last tenth of changes. Like, okay, so you do like the alignment. That's like a, a first half a second change or, or a first half a mile per gallon change, right? Right. And then you get down to something that's kind of expensive, but it gets you that last couple of tenths. And you prioritize it like that. Like, so when I work a race car, it's like, okay, all the stuff we could just do that's just work, we do that first, right? right? And we do all the hard work first. We do the alignment first. We do the ride. All the stuff that doesn't cost you anything. And then the fancy arrow bits, you know, they'll come next. There's some good basic arrow stuff you do early on that's cheap. And then you like fancy stuff comes later or some wind tunnel time would come later. Uh, really, we, we do a lot of work with shocks and dampers, but it's really expensive. But again, it's last 10th, last two tenths change. Like, and if the car, if the other stuff isn't right, you might not even be able to exploit that last 10th until it's done already. So trucks are the same, absolutely the same. Like if you're, you know, if your alignment's not right and you put a manifold and a turbo on, <laughs> uh, it, I don't want to say it's pointless. Right. It's, you're really not going to make that big of a difference. You know, right? you need to prioritize this the stuff that's just work. We could work that into the app easily. That would be easy to do. Yeah. And you know, you, just, and you know, okay, what parts are involved? How much labor is involved? What does it get you? You know, does it wear out? Are you going to have to replace it eventually? Right. You right. know, what's, what's going to happen there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just reminded me of something else so, that we would work right into this app and it would be powerful is we tell people all the time, you just kind of mentioned it don't modify anything until everything that's there is working the way it's supposed to be. Exactly. There, there's so much to be found in simple good maintenance and keeping everything working what it's supposed to be, especially for the used truck, right? You know, exactly. you're going to have yes. some bushings. You're going to have some things that need to be sorted out. They're going to cause some extra friction. You know, if they're not right, you know, there, there is so much little maintenance stuff you may overlook because it's not clunking around. It's not pulling one way or the other, but it still needs to be done. I can't count how many times I've had somebody call me and say, you know, I went out and bought the fleet air filter and a manifold and I got a tune and they go on and on and on. And I'm like, when was the last time you tested your charger cooler? Well, uh, never. <laughs> um, what's that? You know, why would I do right. that? You get that kind of answer. You know, when was the last time the overhead was set? You know, have you done an oil sample? Oh. Do we know what's what the engine's performing like? A simple oil sample tells us a lot about how well the engine's performing. So that that whole the the overhead thing, I'm fanatic about. I guess and Joel is as well. I mean, it's just there's no reason not to do it. I mean, that stuff in there wears, and it doesn't go in the way you think. It doesn't go loose. It's not going to be noisy. Everyone thinks, oh, you know, it's it, right. nice and quiet. Well, the opposite. Like, the valves work their way into the head. It gets tightened up, and then all of a sudden, the, the valve timing changes. It has more overlap than it once had, and that's, that's affecting compression ratio. It's really, really not hard. And, I mean, okay, once a year, I mean, once a year is not going to hurt you. I hear guys, oh, <laughs> right. quarter of a million, half a million miles about doing an overhead. I'm like... Like, what's it going to hurt you to do that once every 125 or 150? Right. Nothing. Right. Like, that, that's zero money. And, again, that is just labor. It's, 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 a, it's a cam cover gasket and, and some labor. Like, no-brainer. Complete no-brainer. And, and, no and get honestly, that done once a year, we, religiously. We have a lot of good owner-operators that do their own. Yeah, easy. That's like not out of the question. Like, DD-15s right. are the ones... 
DD15s were the ones that benefited the most, I found. You get with someone who hasn't done one, they're like, just do the overhead on a DD15. The guy goes out and like, holy crap, yeah. I got another half a mile of a gallon. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you did. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. simple, and they're easy. They're easy. Like, yeah, a lot of guys could do those themselves, but, you know, if you've got a DD15 and you're out there and you haven't done your overhead, and, you know, within the last 120 or 150,000 miles, do it. And you're going to be amazed. Yeah. It's smoother. It yeah. runs better. It's, it's a whole thing. It's one of those things that happens slowly too. You don't notice it getting worse, right? right. You don't notice it falling. You know, it's, it happens so slow over the time that you think it's fine, but no, which is the same, not. same scenario with the charger cooler. It happens slowly over time. You have no real indication. If you're watching your fuel mileage really closely, you may pick up that overhead in that charger cooler, but you better be watching closely because right. we're, we're talking tense over months sometimes is how this happens. You know, after three or four months, you're down yep. three or four tenths. And with seasons changing, it's hard to pick that kind of stuff up. You know, it, it, and that's why I, I right. really try to get people to track your fuel mileage closely and keep doing it. The longer you do this, the better you get at picking out anomalies. Right. So the charge air cooler thing, too, what, you, what a lot of you need to know is like a modern engine with either with either a VGT turbo or a computer-controlled wastegate, which doesn't even have to be that modern, to be honest with you. Right. Uh it's going to make the boost that the computer tells it to, right? So if you've got a little leak in your charge air cooler, it's still going to make the same boost. So even if you put a boost gauge in and you're not getting a check engine light, you will eventually. It'll eventually figure out that it's, you know, using too much uh, wastegate or using too much VGT to, to create the boost that it wants to. It'll give it a logic error and it's going to be, you know, that's going to tell you about it eventually. Uh, but those small leaks, you won't know. Right. You won't feel it in performance. You won't feel it or so you get a check engine light. You won't notice anything. The fuel mileage will be down because all of a sudden the engine's working harder to make the same amount of boost, right? Yeah. And it, you, it'll be completely blind to you. Yeah. So, right. So, that, that once a year that you get your overhead done, have your charge air cooler on all the piping checked as well. I mean, I've seen intake gaskets leaking. I've seen, you know, little, little leaks around the bellows. You know, you, you see clamps that weren't getting quite as tight as they should or rusted up and, aren't, aren't getting, getting the job done. It could be anything, not necessarily just the cooler itself, but the whole intake system, the pressurized end of it anyway, needs to be checked at least once a year. Like put that on, on your list with getting the overhead done once a year and then get the, you, the whole, you know, get, get the thing pressurized as well. You know, I would almost even go one step further on that one is I think I would pressure test the chargers cooler and system once a quarter and smoke test it once a year. And I would do a smoke test That's more fine. often, yeah. except it's so hard to find somebody that can do one. And those smoke testers are becoming cheaper. I think I think I saw one on the Harbor Freight website. Like it's uh, or one of the discount tool things. It may very well have been Harbor Freight. You could get those are no longer on obtainium or expensive. I remember the original ones were like three or four grand. Uh, those are those are cheap and easy enough. They're so necessary with evap codes and things on uh, on modern cars. You know, lots of shops have them. It's a, it's a, it's a necessary item for, for troubleshooting you know, modern automobiles. So, you know, they're, they're really, you know, if you do a quick search, you'll, you'll find them. They're, they're out there and they're not expensive how, anymore. How, what can you get one at Harbor Freight for? 
I think I saw one for like three or four hundred bucks. Really? I mean, I don't know how long it'll work. Wow! I, I, I jokingly call call Harbor. I think it was Harbor Freight. It was if it wasn't Harbor Freight, it's one of the other discount toll places. Uh, but I jokingly call Harbor Freight the hammer store because everything you buy there becomes a hammer eventually. <laughs> right. But you know what? Sometimes it makes <laughs> so sense. It really does. I mean, we we oh, yeah. we'd all love to say that every tool we own is, you know, a super high quality and it's the best you can get. And but come on, why would I do that? Something I'm just not going to use that often. I, I right. you know, sometimes you can get away with something cheap and it does the job. And this would be that case. We're not going to, you know, you think about that three or four hundred dollar smoke machine. Somebody probably buys that and uses it in a little automotive shop, and it gets used constantly. We're going to use it four right. times a year. You know, the things, it right. should last so, forever. So, 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 so it, it totally doesn't matter that it's made out of Chineseium in our case, right? If you're going to have it for your own maintenance. So, yeah, it's, it, that, that's, that's okay. Yeah, all I would want to know, and maybe we'll grab one and test it, all I was want, would want to know is, it, does it put out enough smoke and, you know, enough pressure that it's effective? Does it work? And if it works, and it's there's, cheap, there's enough volume to do right, what we do. Right. Yeah. And yep. if it does, then I'll take it. And, and I think, you know, as an owner operator for three or 400 bucks, grab one and carry it with you. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Because it's, honestly, it's a yeah. uh, doing up, the smoke test up in an ad. Is, uh, is much easier than doing the pressure test. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, a pressure test, you got to get out there with some soapy water and listen. And, you know, I remember going over engines with a stethoscope to try right. and hear where the little hit was. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, you know, and they're useful for so many things. I mean, the smoke tester to me on, on oil leaks is a great one. I mean, you just pressurize the crankcase and, you know, you'll, you'll find it eventually. It, there's, uh, it's really, uh, you know, it's useful for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Good. So here's, here's my thought on that. You know, that's a, big project idea this app and we've we're trying to figure out which big projects we need to start finishing you know the last three years we'd start projects and then the world keeps changing and then i'm the one that says ah let's hold off on that i don't know where we're going so now i'm I'm sitting here with all kinds of projects started we haven't finished anything in a while um plus the disruption was serious i mean we had to scramble to build our own infrastructure which we're still doing um, but I, I got thinking, how could I leverage this? And then I got thinking, I love the lineup right now. You know, the way the shows are throughout the week, I, I'm really enjoying it. We're getting a ton of good feedback. Um, so I got thinking, maybe what I need to do is kind of have a project for each segment, each show we have now, and then leverage you guys to be a part of it. Because I'm not going to go hire people right now. Right. We just just not a good time to do it. Uh, but so I'm thinking that, you know, we could create and I've been looking for this for this show first. You, you and I have talked. I want a way to, you know, help you guys with this, and maybe even monetize a few things because you guys are putting a lot of time into this. You really are. And I appreciate it. I know you're busy. You get, Both of you bring a lot of value to the show. I, I'd like a project like this where ultimately, you know, maybe we monetize this for uh, as a way for you two and all the time you put on the show. Oh, I'd, I'd love that. Yeah. And I've often thought, you know, I'll, I'll just float this out there, either a specking service, but also, uh, you know, I, I obviously don't make anything off this. I don't have a shop to tell you to call and book your truck in right. tomorrow and exactly. uh, make some money off of you. 
I, I often thought of putting a network of shops together who are tuned into what we do. Uh, and who John, are, John, I want you to stop for a second. Enough to, to do, I, I am going to interrupt okay. you completely. I tried that. And the only reason it didn't work, the only reason it didn't work, I'm convinced. I think the idea is excellent. Um, We hired the wrong person to go out and do it. I I hired a guy to go out and organize this and find the shops and bring them in, and it it just failed. But that I've also tried other projects with that person that failed as well. Uh, So we don't do projects with them anymore. (laughs) So well, well, my thought was I already I already travel so much. I could I could you know take an extra day at you know given points of the country. You know, I'm in the Atlanta area a lot. I could maybe search someone out down there and, and then see someone who gets aerodynamics, someone who gets rolling resistance and, I, you know, line them up with the things they need and put this pecking order of, of things to get your truck working right and, and working as well as it could. Uh, you know, it's called optimization and, you know, have a small network of guys who can do the aero installations, who could do the, the, you know, the MD alignment and the, uh, and the, and the doctor preload and such, you know, without, you know, again, I like the guys we deal with. Or we already have a couple. You know, I'd, I'd send anyone to Michigan MD, and I'd send anyone in the world to Chad. You know, and he's right smack in the middle of the country. Right. But you know, sometimes people don't get that way. Some people are on regional runs and don't really care to, you know, take the time off to go somewhere else. And I understand that. Well, here and so. here's the other thing we could do. Even when you look at people like, um, you know, Chad or. Um, uh, many of our other really good, some of them are remote tuners, some of them are MD alignment, some of them are both. The idea is that we would formalize all of these things, the doctor preload, all, all those services, and make sure right. every location had every one. I mean, that would be the goal, and right. to have it as a program so it, it's formalized, we're doing it the same way. I'll tell you how far I got on the last effort at this. I had an iPad app that that I created to check trucks in for a fuel mileage makeover. That was like the first program. You pull in and we will get you the best fuel mileage possible. And the app, you would go through the truck. You would, you know, you would document all of the specs. You would take pictures with the iPad and that would go into the file. And then any, not anybody, but somebody like you or Joel or myself or would never even have to physically see the truck. We could, we could right. open up this app and say, Oh, we had a truck check in and you would just go through and start to optimize it, including all of the regular maintenance that needs to be done first. And it was model specific. You know, there are certain models of trucks or engines that we need to check this. We don't on a, on the, you know, exhaust plunger issue with some of the Volvo engines, things like that. Right. It, it was model specific, but that's how far I had gotten. And, you know, our shop in Tennessee at the time, when I had the shop with uh, Robert Fitzgerald, that was the model. And that was why we started okay. that shop was to build that model, work it out. And then almost like a licensing kind of franchise thing where you go out to a shop that already exists and we don't want to take over their whole business or anything. We want to license them this, you know, and there were two parts to it. It was fuel mileage first. That's the big focus, but it's almost like a healthy truck checkup. You know, let's not just wait till something breaks to fix it. Let's optimize everything first and be proactive about maintenance. 
there are certain things on some trucks we know it's going to break, and we know when we should probably replace it before it breaks. That was the whole point. We didn't want Absolutely. to do, yep. if your truck was yep. broke down, don't bring it to us. I don't want broke trucks. I want you to bring me the truck when it's running and we're going to make it better. We're not a repair shop. And that, that's what we would, that would be the piece we would license to these other shops. Keep running your shop the way you do. We're just going to license a new service to you. Right. So on our race cars, so, and again, this, this could actually easily apply to a truck. We, we do what we call lifing parts. Parts are life, meaning that wheel bearing is going to go X amount of racing miles. That that damper is going to go X amount of racing miles before it's rebuilt. That uh, the CV joints and U joints are going to go X amount of miles, and we keep a spreadsheet on this. Last time it was done, and we, we track all the mileage on the cars, and you life everything. You know, any moving part is life, shall we say. And they all have a finite life, and some of the life might only mean that it gets taken off and crack-checked which is getting kind of extreme. You know, we don't need to be right. bagging the flux and parts on big trucks usually, but you know, it's, it's okay. It's going to be, you know, 10,000 racing miles and we magna flux the uprights. And, you know, so that's just something you do. So really similarly, I mean, there are things, you know, and I know you want to get everything out of whatever it is that you have, but some of the stuff gets to a certain point. You're better off just changing it. Yes. And not I, waiting for it to break. Well, I'll tell you where I dealt with the extreme on that concept. I was a helicopter crew chief. You don't let anything oh, break. That's the same as well. That's the yeah, same. Right. Nothing can right. break. That That's not allowed. We, you know, when we're 10,000 feet up in the air, things can't break. So that was the extreme and, of that. You replace everything before it breaks. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Especially on a helicopter. Those things scare me, man. Like the, oh. the uh, you know, I've always, I, I, yeah, I told you about skiing. I prefer that to, uh, to snowboarding because I get the second, third, fourth, fifth effort sometimes to, to keep myself from going to the ground. Man, when a helicopter stops working, it falls out of the sky. Yes. You know, <laughs> it, it, an airplane. And I, I've seen some clever helicopter pilots who could do some weird stuff and kind of get the thing to fall easily. But it, it's, well, it's, it's, it's bad. Uh, an airplane, you know, it turns into a glider for a while. You have a, you have a second and third, fourth effort. You, know, you need to put yeah. it down in a field so, somewhere. You know, at least so that's an option. <laughs> there, there is a procedure in a helicopter, and we used to practice it a lot. And it's, a, it's scary as hell just to practice it. it, it you you auto-rotate. So the idea is if you're at, you know, 6,000 feet and something breaks, you basically take all the pitch out of the rotor – and let the thing drop like a rock, and then you time it so that you pull all the pitch back into the rotors so that that downward momentum starts spinning them, and you create a ground effect hover. Wow, okay. But that's scary as hell. So that must be what I saw on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the You're thing. Falling out of the sky. It's like nuts. a rock. Yeah. yeah, and then you have to figure out the right timing. You know, you pull pitch a little too late and you're going to slam into the ground at 60 miles an hour. Pull it too soon. You pull it too early, you're going to speed up again. You're, you're yeah. toast because you, you'll lose that momentum before you get close enough to the ground to create the hover effect. 
<laughs> That's crazy. It's always scared me. Yeah, I look at the helicopters and you know, I guess they, they I, I, I know they don't have just one anymore. And the Jesus nut on top of the rotor, right? That's the one that if it falls off, you're done, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, had a, I had a friend who was a helicopter mechanic who told me that yeah, it's the Jesus nut. Exactly. Like, well, right. it's not certainly just one thing holding that thing on up there, is there? <laughs> yeah, there was. Yeah. There was really. Yeah. Could I get Could I get two backups to that, please? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> nope, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. We we trust it. And do, do okay. they really call it the Jesus nut? Yeah. 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 So speaking of that, that this is totally off topic, but it reminded me of something. Um, we were in Costa Rica once, and we were walking through this path in the jungle. We came around the corner, and in the middle of the path, not far away from us either, maybe 10 feet, which is pretty close, there is this giant lizard standing up with that big hood thing around their head all spread out. And I walked around the corner, yeah. and the first thing you say is, Jesus Christ. And that's what they call those lizards, <laughs> Jesus Christ lizards. But I, oh, really? I thought it was – but it gets even better than that. I thought it was because of – that's usually how you react when you see one. But have you ever seen those lizards right. that stand up and run across the water? Oh, yeah, I've seen those. That's, yeah. that's, yeah, so that's, 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 that's the why ones. they call it the Jesus Christ they lizard walk on water. because they walk on water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's cool uh, awesome yeah so, so all right we'll be, be thinking about or, that yeah we're gonna we got going on? we're gonna take some calls and you I and will, i and joel talk oh, about that more okay, but. Real, real quick i have another app idea for you you can put the put your your team on this i recently downloaded an app that you may have or may have heard of called yucca no yuca spelled just like the plant huh it's uh and again, would have to modify it because it's a little too much standard American diet. But I, I am surprised at some of the feedback I get on things that I scan and the way they score them. Some of it's not as bad as you think. So you just scan, you get, get this app, and you scan the barcode on whatever food it is you may eat. And boom, it tells you all the ingredients, why they're in there or shouldn't be in there, or why you shouldn't eat it or should eat oh. it, at least according to the guidelines that they've used. Yeah. And you guys should just copy it and do a keto slash carnivore like version of it. But you should just get that app. I like that. Build one, you know, steal whatever you have to steal off of them, but, but adjust the scoring system is what you need to do right. and make it yours. Ah, so I like that. yeah, it's, uh, you will like it. Yeah. Yeah. Get it. Just look it up on now on, uh, on, you know, the app store and it's, uh, it's fantastic. You know, I use it a lot, even, even though it's not quite, you know, to, to my, Thing, you know, it might score something good that I like, but at least I get the ingredients. I see exactly how much sugar is in it without having to read the little fine print. Right. Yeah, some of those are almost impossible to read. Y yeah, they um, are. Yeah, so that's... Uh, so I only thought of that because you brought up apps, and I've been meaning to tell you about this for a month or so since I discovered it, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. Yeah. But All right. It, it would be a no-brainer to come up with, with a keto carnivore version of it. Exactly. So it would be just, simple. Just what I need. Yeah. Another project. <laughs> another project, know, exactly. another project. You, you got people for that right well i need yeah. to find uh, you're people. gonna go that's, you're gonna go yeah 
I need I need more you're, people. You're going to be on the river, and you'll have someone else doing <laughs> well, it at time. Yeah, it's true. Um, speaking of the river, I need to check real quick. I, I'll bring in a call, and then I'll go check to see if I'm going to be able to go today. You're, I went you're yesterday. Check the wind, aren't you? Yeah. yeah, you're going to go check the wind, aren't you? <laughs> yesterday was frustrating. We were right on the limit. If I you know could have had a six meter wing, I may have been able to do it. Although I saw a couple guys out there with six meter wings, and they were struggling just as much. You'd get this teaser gust that would just get around 20 miles an hour or so and you'd go all right now i can get a good run and you'd get up and it would die and then you'd wait and wait and wait and another one would come along and you'd get up and it would die and it was just so frustrating it was right there on the border today is is it was supposed to be iffy but if i can't go today they said there won't be another shot till next wednesday i guess we're in for some bad days so i'll see if i can make it out today um my goal is to How'd really it go last Friday. You were on, you were on your way up last Friday. You were going to go try and get out of the, uh, the baby pool or whatever you call it. I did. I, I achieved my goal. Um, I got out into the did big river. Awesome. Yeah. I got out into the big river and had a really good run. And what I realized was, I mean, the Columbia is a long, it's wide here. It's really wide. Um, it's even wider in hood river where I was before I knew it. I'm like approaching the other shore. I looked up and I'm like, how the hell did that happen? And I wasn't really paying attention. I wasn't tacking against the wind as hard as I should have been. So now I looked back and the little bay that I need to get into, yeah, I don't think I can get back to it. So I'm <laughs> like, oh no. Okay. Because if I don't make it back into that bay, the next place to get out of the water is like a quarter of a mile down the river, which doesn't sound like a lot, but... Okay. I've got all my equipment. Now I get out of the water a quarter of a mile from where my car is, and it's actually probably a half mile, I'll bet. Yeah, but it's closer to a half. Right, right. So, so you have to hike. Yeah. Okay. So, but I, I came up with an idea. Did you make it back? I did. I, I, I kind of really worked hard at it. Like I would even sit on the board because the problem is the way I went across the river, I'm good at because it's back foot, right foot back, just like I water ski. But in order to come back, you have to be able okay. to switch, switch your feet and go left foot back. It's like trying to do something with your left hand if you're right-handed. It's that difficult. So right now, I can go across the river one way pretty well. I can't do it coming back hardly at all. So I even got to the point where I would just sit on my board and hold my wing up, so let it drag me through the water so I could kind of steer the board a little better. I missed the opening to the bay by about a hundred yards. So I had to actually get up on the rock wall and kind of fight my way around the corner. It took me like 45 minutes uh, fighting across rocks to get back into the bay. So I have a new idea. If if I go by myself, I'm going to (laughs) put my equipment in the water. They have little anchor places so you can tie off your equipment while you go do other stuff. So I'm going to go to where I want to launch in the bay, tie off my equipment in the water, drive my car down the half mile to the other place where I can get out of the river and then walk back when I'm fresh. Right. Then I'll go out into the big river yeah, and I can, without, it, yeah, I can play out there all day and then just get out in the other place. Right. Yeah. And then you'll, then you'll be able to not have to carry your gear that half a mile as well and exactly. be tired. And, yeah. That's right. fantastic. Yeah. That, yeah. There's cool. no way I would carry this stuff 200 yards, much less a half mile. 
So it was it was a good week. Uh, it was a good run. The, yesterday was fun, a little frustrating, but I'm getting there. It's harder than I thought. Really is. Every other water sport or board sport I've ever tried, I basically get it in the first day. And and this not even close. Right. And even when I get it, oh, that's good. There's still so much more to learn. Like the turns are really pretty tricky. You've got to shift your feet from from right back to left back or the other way around and you've got to all at the same time you're making the turn in the water you've also got to get the wing to the other side of your body there's a lot going on in a turn so just learning that turn skill is probably going to take me a couple days I'm going to have to watch some more YouTube on this. And, and I've got a suggestion for Lisa. She needs to buy you a GoPro if you don't already have one and stick it on your board or That's on, a your, good idea. on your body yeah. somewhere. Or, That's a good or, idea. Or, or you really ought to start wearing a helmet. I, know you, I heard you mentioned you don't wear a helmet. But put, a, put a helmet on and put your GoPro on there. Um, I, my, my deal with helmets is uh, I, I, was, I went down kicking and screaming, on, even on my bicycle. Like I, I didn't want to wear a helmet for the longest time. And then... Uh, a friend had a head injury and turned into a vegetable. I'm like, you know, because yeah. crashing never scared me. Like the crash, the crash that kills me doesn't bother me a bit. <laughs> I, I, I've lived a pretty good life. I mean, honestly, if, if I if I fall off my bicycle and die, um, uh, okay, it happened. You know, maybe I'm a little young for that, but whatever. You know, uh, right. that doesn't frighten me. What but you don't want to be the one that has my kids changing my diaper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. No, I get it. Yeah. yeah. So that's the one that scares me. Yeah. yeah I so, probably so, should. Yeah, so that's, that's what, that's what got me. That's what got me on the, on the, on the helmet, helmet idea. Like, okay. All right. I'm not going to, I'm not a sissy for you know, wearing a helmet. I just really don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I, I'd sooner put my kids through me dying an early death than, and making them change my diaper. You I know, know but I, to me, that's uh, that that's fine. I have a more I have a more important reason <laughs> yeah. for not wearing it, though. I just don't. I it just messes up my hair so much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah no, I think that, hair, yeah, I, that's that's, 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 th- a, that's a problem. Yeah, I think the GoPro is <laughs> a good idea. What do you say we take some calls? Let's do that. Let's do that. Let's go to Idaho. Heath, welcome to the program. Hey, gentlemen. Um, I don't know if it was yesterday or earlier this week. You had the gentleman that came on with like 20-something viscosity. I kind of wanted to brainstorm. Um, could maybe heat in the engine? Too much heat? You know, the oil temperatures yeah. get pretty hot. Could that do it? The formulations of so I'm, the oil and how it burns? So I'm glad you brought this up because with John here, maybe he has some ideas. I can tell you heat won't do it. I mean, we don't see any damage. Yeah, we don't see any damage to oil whatsoever, really, from heat until I think it's like 400 degrees. I I remember reading an article about it once. It's pretty high. You can get oil really, really hot and not do any real damage to it. So, and you know, there was a little bit of oxidation on that sample, which shows we might have had some overheating. But, John, here's what we're looking at. We're looking at an oil sample that had no real contaminants. Soot was like 1.8. It's an N14. Um, No coolant, no silicon, no real contaminants whatsoever. And the viscosity is like 22%. Yeah. How much much time was on it? Uh, 20... No, maybe 40,000. Not enough, okay. I remember, not enough. 40,000. Right. 
that, yeah, it wasn't like 200,000 miles. No. I've got to go with some sort of interaction. Um, there was a, something in the additive packet in that oil that didn't like the additive and some other oil that went into it. Um, you know, if they added something wrong so, or if there was, a, if he put some sort of something so in there. Just, just so we know. I, I can't see because heat's not going to do it. No, so heat, heat won't do it. Heat ref, uh, you, it you, refine oil, you refine oil with heat. It's gonna. It's gonna go. It's probably gonna go thinner because of heat. Right. That so yeah. I've got to think that there was there there was an interaction of some sort that it, <laughs> it, it, it didn't like. So just to throw something in, okay. Now it, this was. I, I have to believe it's the most common oil on the market. It was standard Rotella, fifteen forty Rotella, regular old Rotella. Yep. And never had anything else added to it. No Lucas or any other fancy motor honey or any of that crap. You know, I didn't really question him hard on that, but that would be a good question because you're right. That that it, that's it seems like one of the only ways since we know there's no contaminants, nothing that we test for that uh, an interaction. You're right. That yeah. would be a place to start looking. Yeah, some sort of interaction with uh, with an additive is uh, about the only logical you know explanation I can think. Unless it's a, we, uh, we had a truck in at Pittsburgh power while I was there that was some reason turning his oil to like a gel. And I forget what it was that did it. Well, viscosity at 20 some, it would start to feel like gel. It's going to start getting really thick. Yeah. Yeah, That's That's, crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, 14 stick in my book. Yeah. That's right. That's that's, right. 15's out of the question. Yeah, if you look at the viscosity charts, that's way up there. And this has been building up over time. Let me go back and see if I still have the sample somewhere. I do. So here's kind of the history. Um, If we go back, I can see samples going back to April of 2021. And there was an in-frame done. So that was the first sample after the in-frame. There was like 19,500 miles on the engine after the in-frame and 16,000 some on the oil. So they did that quick, you know, kind of 3,000 mile oil change after the in-frame. Then they did this one. So 16,000 miles on the oil, 19,000 on an in-frame and viscosity came back at 16.7. That was our first sample that we thought, wow, where did that come from? Um, Then we go to January of 2022. At that point, we had 293,000 miles on the engine, and this particular sample had 22,000 miles on the oil, and we came back at 17.4. Then we go to March of 2022, um, 24,000 miles on the oil, and we're up to 18.6. Then we go to July and this is- of this year, 21,000 miles on the oil, and we're up to 356,000 on the engine, and 18.5. We actually went down a tenth, but then now September, um, 43,000 miles on the oil, 380,000 on the engine, 22.9. Wow. So the oil's being so changed, it, it be and something... every time they change the oil, this comes back. And 
Okay, so they change the oil every time? Well, well, yeah, every one of those samples. We had 16,000 no, no. miles on the first one, 22,000 miles on the oil the right. next. Yeah, each, the the only time right. we, we went and that more was than. fresh oil each time. Yeah, fresh oil each time, and it came back and got worse each time. Except that one time when we dropped a tenth, but then we had a big increase on the next one. So yet we're changing the oil the problem keeps showing up and actually gets worse. I mean, just, just for scientific purposes, one, I'd make sure he's not adding anything to it. Two, I would try a different oil next time, see if it does it again. Uh, and I would go to a nice light synthetic, personally. I, I know everyone says, oh, old engines, and 14 blah, blah, blah. Oh, I'd put no, you're it not in there. Hurt it that, that wouldn't worry me at all, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, that's, that's his drag. I mean, uh, there's no reason to run... You know, like I said, unless it's an old Detroit or something that needs that film strength to start up to keep from scuffing a wall, which new engines don't need, uh, there's no reason to run heavy oils. None, none zero. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, 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 I'd put a, you know, a, a, you know, a 540 or a, or even a, even a 530 in there, um, you know, synthetic and just see what happened. Just That's a good do, idea. Do, do another, another experiment That's with that. That's a good idea, yeah. And make sure, just make sure he's not putting any additives of any sort in. I don't care what it is. Just, just don't, don't put anything in there with it. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Heath, what do you think? Well, well, I have uh, an ISX, a 14, and I run cheap oil because I burn oil. I, I run like uh, Costco and Walmart oil. Okay. You get it for ten, eleven dollars hey, a gallon. Hey, for all you for all <laughs> you know, Go ahead. For, for all we know, that might be Rotella. <laughs> it could be. I mean, Probably. They're both made the yeah. same manufacturer. Yeah. Right. But uh, my my viscosity, and I usually change my oil about a hundred thousand miles, and that's with the OPS. But my viscosity, uh, my highest has gone up to like seventeen point five. But I can get mine to come down if I add a uh, thirty weight oil into it. See, even a that, little bit, but not you know a huge bunch. Even that would confuse me. How did we get to seventeen point five? Is there a contaminant in there that would account for that? That's what I want to do. My set it only runs around point three, point two, point five, and uh, no silicon. I've seen soot get up to six, not point six, six point right, oh, enough. and yeah, and it's... only only moderately increase the viscosity. Right. Now, That's interesting. Um, so, and you put straight, could, uh, 30, you know, straight 30, straight 30 should actually raise your load number. Um, because if you look at the straight 30 at ambient, whatever that temperature is, the low temperature that they check, it's got a much higher viscosity Correct. than like a, a 540 or a 1540. At, at lower temperatures. So if you look at the bottom number, that, that 30 weight's probably going to raise it at that one. A lot of people don't understand is, is when you look at the way the viscosity works, the, you see the bigger number, the 540 or zero. We're running zero weights in the race cars now, so we're zero 30s and, and, and zero 20s and things like that. They're just dead stable is what they are. Like the, you, you see that big, that big swing, you know, the 540 actually – viscosity difference between cold and hot only difference right so the the, the 100 c viscosity is going to be this 40 weights 40 weight no matter what if right. it's a 540 that means it's a little more stable it doesn't get as thick with with cold temperatures yep uh right. and straight weights are just terrible you know i mean it's, it's super yeah. thick when it's cold and and you 
you know, you'll, you'll have, but it's still a 30 weight once it's up to temp. So that's okay. But it, it, you know, which is actually not as, not as thick as your 540. So and, whatever, it's not as heavy. It doesn't have the viscosity of the 540. Yeah, I've been trying to explain whenever this to, to people temp. for decades. And then the other thing that will confuse them even more is if you take the same weight in synthetic, even though it's the same weight, you don't get the same results when it gets cold because of the, the structure difference in the oil and synthetic. So absolutely, synthetic does even better well, that's with why those low numbers. When you get to crazy cold temperatures, it still pours right out of the bottle. Right. That's the, that's the difference. That's why you see numbers like 540 or 550 out of, out of a synthetic that you won't see out of it or 030 right. out of a synthetic. You can't get that out of a, out of a regular mineral or the, the synthetic, you know, the way the, the, you know, the molecular structure of it is, it's not going to be as affected by temperature as the, is, is the brilliance of it. So yeah, modern, you know, modern oils are, are great. I mean, don't shy away from them in anything. I don't care what anyone exactly. says. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason to not run them. Um, you know, I used I really, to have people go. But, uh, this, this viscosity thing is interesting to me, though. I, I, I would like to, I'd, say, I'd try maybe sending it to another lab. Is there somewhere else? Cause they're using ours, obviously. These are our, uh, yeah. our tests. Yep. Yeah, this is a Polaris okay. sample. I mean, I'll, maybe just, 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 just for the fun of it, I'd maybe try it, it somewhere else. You know, it can't hurt. Uh, and actually, you could pick something contaminated. Yeah. yeah. Actually, what I would do is I do it. The great idea. I do a split sample. Take a sample, send one to Polaris again, and send it at the exact same time to another lab. Make sure we get two samples lab, yeah. at the same yeah. time. Um, I think that's a great idea. Um, yeah, we'll we'll keep well, following they, up on see this. See if they but, maybe pick up an additive or a contaminant that we yeah. don't. Yeah, I'm curious to see how this goes. Yeah, I am too. So thanks for bringing it up, Heath. Yeah, you're welcome. That's all I had. All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to continue on here. We're heading off to Massachusetts. AJ, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning to John. Oh, no, good morning to Kevin and good afternoon to John. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I just, first of all, I just came out of the Berkshires and these, these uh, leaves are starting to change. Oh, nice. Nice. Uh, oh, wow. They're just, they're just starting. It's already looking looking good my favorite time of the year that is oh, one of the things uh, i i hello. miss being out here in the west i you get some places where color's nice in the fall but nothing like you get i mean i want to go to upstate new york new england uh, we did that one year we spent the whole fall uh in the rv and in, in new hampshire i just love that time of year there yeah it's awesome well this has become my uh my favorite show i think on here I called up. I had to think about what I called up for because <laughs> so many things are popping up. I'm like, oh man, it, it, it's like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it though. It's kind of fun. It's, it's just about a being. break from all that serious yeah, stuff, great, especially on a Friday. Yeah. Oh. And then you know, I was like, I, I I was worried about being a little bit off topic, not too much, but uh, no such thing. Talking about how. Tim McGraw and Faith Hill are good actors, and you know. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I was like, "This is uh, this is no problem. I'm gonna fit right in. I'll be all right." Yeah. <laughs> but then you start talking about soap operas, and 
you know, 25, 26 years ago, I was dating my wife and, you know, we, she got me into days of our lives. You know, <laughs> go over there and hang out with her. We have to do my days of our lives. And I was just out of high school. I spent all high school. Yeah, go ahead. I, I just had a thought. I don't mean to interrupt, but random thoughts pop up into my head. And honestly, if I would let you go 30 more seconds, I would forget this thought. I'd either have to write it down, which I do, or just interrupt people. Why... Why has that format soap operas been so wildly successful? Aren't there some of those shows that have been on like sixty years now or something? Yeah. Why is that? Lock me, lock me in. Yeah. I, like I said, I got sucked into I got sucked into GH with my with my wife. Like, yeah. what do you do? It was. Yeah. You actually become interested. I can remember making phone calls while I was on the road and asking her what happened. Uh, I'd say, "Hey, so did uh, you know so and so and so and so actually get married? What happened there?" Oh man, yeah. Uh, right. One thing to sit in your house and watch with you, watch with your girl, or watch you know watch by yourself if you get sucked in. But I was. I spent high school spinning wrenches on cars, and then I went and went to a, a towing company and you know worked on the trucks, and then I started driving the trucks, and I got hurt, and I had to sit in dispatch. <laughs> well, here I am with all this time on my hand, and noontime rolls around, and I go, oh. shit, I might try this uh, soap opera thing here, and guys start walking in, and looking at me like, what in the hell are you well, watching? <laughs> well, you know, no, well, think, how, how think, many of them would sit down and start watching with you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, uh, I think just because they had to eat lunch and it was the only table around that they could sit down and eat. So they, well, here's of them, well, you know, <laughs> sit for a few minutes, but never got locked in. You know, that might be bad at a towing company. Think about me. It's even worse at a gym. I'm sitting there watching soap operas and somebody comes in to work out. I always kept a backup copy of Pumping Iron playing. And as soon as I heard the door, I'd switch it. (laughs) Put the pumping iron on top of it. That's right. That's right. The manly men watching soap operas. Yeah. I wasn't. No, I'm watching Arnold. I'm I'm watching Arnold and Lou. Yeah. Yes, the, yes, the that actually hey, was, was a really the, good movie, movie, movie that was shot. What was the Arnold movie that was shot right there in your neighborhood at Hood River? I don't know. There, there, yeah, it was like Kindergarten Cop or something. I think was it was shot really? in Hood River, Oregon. It was in the. It was, yeah, yep. I don't. I'm not big on movies. Um, in fact, Brittany's right. here. I was telling you Brittany's one of our employees and Brittany actually does a podcast on movies I mean she's like a movie buff and she does podcasts on movies yeah so she started asking me she's like have you seen this have you seen that she's like no so I've never (laughs) never seen any of the Star Wars movies none Um, there was another series she asked me about last night I don't remember which one it was but I had never I mean I just don't watch movies I never have um, I watch more TV now than I ever did, only because I'm finding really cool stuff on TV. Something about movies, I, I just don't like them. I, I've watched so few, you know, movies in my lifetime. Um, just the way it, the, you know, growing up in the 60s and 70s, if you can believe it, I never watched a single episode of Star Trek. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I never really got sucked into that as a kid either. I, I watched a little bit of it, and all my friends around it were a little too geeky. Uh, what I found later in life, I've got, uh, not that I'm a movie buff by any means, but there are a couple of directors and writers that I will make a point of seeing their movies. 
the Cohen brothers, the guys who did Fargo and No Country for Old Men, and uh, whoever it was so, that did Inglorious Bastards, or it might have been them. So there are certain directors or certain writers that I'll lock in on and want to see all their stuff. Guy Ritchie movies. I love Guy Ritchie movies. So they're so just kind of eclectic. Ones that I, just, kind of I don't know stuff. if they're writing or something like that. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. That's eclectic it. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, I haven't yeah. seen many movies. So the few that I have seen over the years sometimes stick out. Speaking of eclectic or kind of out there, did you ever see the movie Sideways? Oh, yeah. I love Sideways. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was there. I was, in, I was in wine country last week. Yeah. I yeah. was uh, in those same roads. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was a and like I said, I I'm not a movie buff at all. I'm the exact opposite. So sometimes I'll be like, "Oh, that movie was amazing," and people are like, "Yeah, it really wasn't." Yeah, well, I thought it was, but I don't have many things to compare <laughs> like it, it yeah, to, no. right? Again, it's it's what you like, right? Exactly. So, right. Yeah. yeah. But, all right. So I'm sure this is what our caller called to talk about. He, he might have had something beyond this as far off as we were going off track here as usual. So, but that's all right. I enjoyed talking about. It. That kind of thing, especially with Taylor. <laughs> Taylor Sheridan's a good writer. He's the one that did Yellowstone and 1883. Hey, you know, you got some other ones. Those okay. companies, they all, you know, they've opened up these writers. You know, that, that guy, I'm glad you brought him up because we are all over the board today. Um, that guy's a pretty amazing guy. And I swear you look at him, I, I don't like to judge people by the way they look, but if I look at him, I would never think he's accomplished all the things he's accomplished. Writing Yellowstone, writing 1883. He, he plays a role in Yellowstone, and he's good. Yeah. A pretty incredible guy. Yeah. And he's young, or he looks young, pretty young. He and he's very knowledgeable about what he writes about. Well, uh, and, he and knows it or, doesn't or he, researches it. And I think, doesn't he have all those writing skills as well? I mean, that, he's not faking that. I don't think he has a stunt double. Yeah, he has a ranch. He has a ranch. I know he wears a, a, a brand on his shirt when he does interviews. It's not Yellowstone. It's a real ranch, and it might be his. He might have grown I, up. I think he grew up did that. He did that growing up. I, I don't know if this is right or not, but I thought maybe he had something to do with that ranch in Texas that, that was in the last season. Ding. Ding Ranch? I think, but I'm not sure. I might be wrong about that. Yeah. I, I got a truck driver, buddy, I turned on to. I was like, yeah, it starts off with this, you know, big-nosed Pete pulling a uh, little boy with an excavator on it. That's how the series starts. Yeah, and, and it crashes. Was, so he, went yeah. over to, he went over and checked it. Yeah, yeah. So he went on there and checked it out. And he's like, man, you almost destroyed my relationship. What are we talking about? He's like, I watched that all weekend, <laughs> almost all week. And then the following weekend, it caught up six seasons. <laughs> Did it like a week. He's like, well, my girlfriend never saw me. Like, Sorry about that. But, yeah, yeah, there you I go. Hear you. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I called I call about, so Wednesday you mentioned uh, a blood pressure cuff that Garmin's doing. Yes. And... Uh, Yesterday was kind of screwed up for me. I was in and out of the show. I didn't know if anybody had talked about it. But uh, so is that something you wear all the time? Takes no. it any, or you just put it on? No, you just it? put it on. So, and I have even more to report on that. So I'm glad you brought this up too, um, John. You'll be interested in this. I know you're a fan of Garmin, and we've talked a lot about their stuff. They are really getting into the health side of things pretty heavily. Um, they have just brought out a Bluetooth uh, blood pressure cuff. So it's it's the 
good, you know, upper arm. I've tried the new wrist monitors. They just don't work. Um, they're horribly inaccurate, the ones that are on the market right now. So this is still an upper arm blood pressure cuff, wireless Bluetooth. You put it on, hit the button, and it reports back to your Connect app already, that you already have, the Garmin Connect app. So now I can add blood pressure right. in there. And and I found that out yesterday. We had Eric, um, Eric from Garmin on the show with us yesterday, and he told us about that. So then when I went to look oh, at it on their website – they have a new high-tech body scale. And I have several of these. I've tested a bunch of them, and I use them. Um, smart scales? They, yeah. A smart scale, yeah, for body fat and hydration and measures all kinds of things. Uh, so, and again, reports to your Garmin Connect app. So we're going to put both of them in the store. I mean, I have, I have them coming to me already so I can start testing them. But I, I'm pretty confident I, I've never really tested a product from Garmin that I didn't like. So I need to talk to Eric. I wish I, I would have called in yesterday. My son actually has a question for him. He's a, a driving instructor there at a place called Monticello Motor Club in, in Monticello, New York, which is, it's, it's like some of, some of the TV series Billionaires was shot there, right? So it's over-the-top bougie, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and McLarens and, and billionaires from New York City keep their stuff there. And a couple of his students, some of the guys he works with constantly use uh, Garmin's got a motorsport product called a Catalyst. It's a basically it looks just like one of their one of their truck nav systems. It looks a whole lot like the diesel. It's a screen you put it up on your dash. Um, I believe you can use it for nav and such, but it's a performance monitor, so it uses GPS for speed and G sensing and whatever. And it's become really good and popular with these guys. Again, Garmin kicking butt here, but they can't connect it with their. They want to start connecting their biometrics with their performance on track. And either it doesn't connect to their Connect app or they can't, you know, use their heart rate monitor or their watch, whatever, to, to sync up with what they're doing on track. So if you talk to Eric, um, we've got some interest from people who are using one of their motorsport products to, to get their stuff, you know, to be able to, or they don't know, and my son can teach them. So, yeah, we could we could make it work. Yeah. Let, but, I'll, uh, I'll, so it's the only complaint they've got about it. Let's do that. I'll put you guys together. Now, here's the here's what will happen, uh, but their Garmin's really good about this. So Eric is the product manager for the trucking line. So that's his baby. I mean, right. and, and boy, he loves it too. Garmin loves the trucking industry right now. They are, and they're sincere about it. I mean, they Eric's excited about it. It's obviously his division, but they're really doing a lot in that. I mean, they... They have the technology you want in the cab now, and it all works together. They've got the navigator. They've got the traffic cam facing forward. They have backup cams that all work on the navigator itself. The headset works with the navigator. Your watch works with the navigator. Everything works together now. And, and for me, it's a lot like why we shifted to Apple a couple decades ago, because we just stick within the Apple environment, right. and everything just works so well. And you're not always screwing with things and trying to get things to play right together. And, you know, Garmin's kind of it's taken so that on now, and they've done an amazing job at it. Well, I'm converting all my cycling stuff back to, to Garmin. I, I started with Wahoo, uh, and I bought, you know, Lisa got me got me a nice deal on uh, on my latest bike computer uh, that's Garmin. I love it. And 
The Wahoo stuff I really liked because I just started with the app. They had a great iPhone app 10 years ago or 11 years ago. And then they had some little stuff like a speed and cadence sensor that would sync up with your phone and a heart rate monitor that synced up with it. So they really had a neat little platform there. And then I started buying some of their hardware. They have a little dash that was good. But I have to tell you, the Garmin thing is head and shoulders above it. You know, the, the thing that sent me down the other path was the fact that I just found this app. And Wahoo makes some neat stuff. They've got a nice smart scale and some other, other cool stuff. Uh, but I just think the Garmin's beyond it. I really, really enjoy the, the new Garmin, uh, uh, the bike computer that I've got. It's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And so. uh, just the quality of the stuff, like the fit finish, like the, the way the thing's built, it has a nice solid feel to it. Um, you know, I don't wear one of your diesel watches. I've got a, a Phoenix, which I love. I mean, it's like a, it's a, like a piece of jewelry. I wear it anywhere. I, I love the thing. Well, let me, let me just point out one place where Garmin has totally destroyed the competition battery life what the hell did they do i get 28 days out of my watch my aura Mm -hmm. i have to charge like every third day my apple watch you have to charge every (laughs) single day Uh, and it's kind of ridiculous because you know what are the odds that you know i'm gonna have to charge this thing right before i go to bed you know i realize oh so now i'm not going to be wearing it that night so i miss a night of so the charging thing to me that's data you want exactly the charging thing to me came became a very big deal and the fact that i get like almost a month out of my garmin watch how did they manage that well i'll tell you if you though if you use it i'll use it um, your, your sailing, what do you call that? Uh, do you, does that an activity on their activity list? Do you actually use it while you're out on the water? I haven't checked yet. I, I kind of, you know, they probably okay. have something, not for wing foiling because wing foiling is so new, but yeah, uh, let's, you know, let's call it windsurfing. Exactly. You know, you windsurfing. All your I bet, I bet you, could, you could gather data on that. Just, just go to windsurfing, click it, start a, start an activity. And what you're going to find, like when I use, when I use just my watch recycling, the little dash for the bike because I would simply use my watch and it was, it was good enough. Like, and I, and I could connect my watch to a speed and cadence sensor, but I, I I didn't. But if you start connecting your watch to sensors and if you start using your watch for activities, the battery life does all of a sudden become more human. Oh, the, the one thing I can turn on right now that would cut it for like percent on my bet. Yeah. It would cut it from like 28 days to 12 days. All you have to do is turn on the, um, the pulse ox sensor. And your battery life gets cut in half. Right. Yeah. Right. Yep. Yeah. So that's it. But then the GPS too, like when it starts using the GPS and so forth, it really, it really sucks, sucks it out of it. So, yeah. Yeah. But I like the fact that I can control that. Like I had the pulse ox sensor turned on for a long time. And honestly, I got to the point where I'm like, this really isn't providing any information that's doing me any good. I mean, I'm not making any decisions. My mm-hmm. pulse ox almost never changes, and it's good and it's consistent. It's so, always the same. I don't need that. Yeah, yeah, why keep tracking that? So yeah. you turn it off, and your battery life doubles. Right. And it's kind of nice that I have that control. Yep. Right. So, but yeah, if you could, like, get us in touch or, my, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll do that. find out who my son could talk to, and maybe they could do it if it's already possible. He's got so many people using that piece of equipment up there. He could maybe do a little seminar, a little school for them. Yeah, that'd be and cool. And show them how to connect and how to do some other things. Yeah. You know what? And and that is that, that's an idea that I think is necessary. I'm going to talk to Garmin more about that because the one thing about their products, if I had to say there's a downside to their products, 
it's the learning curve because their products do so much. Right. It, it, there's a real learning curve there. You don't, you know, a Fitbit, you throw it on your wrist and, you know, in an hour, you know, everything it does and how to use it. Um, I, I've had my Garmin watch yeah, on for so a year there. and I still can't figure it all out. It's not all there. Nope. No, it's definitely not. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it, it took me a while. Try. With my, uh, and I didn't realize I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't realize I didn't have it. So the particular Phoenix that I bought to replace my element, which is, you know, similar to, your, to yours, uh, I, I was, I couldn't find my body battery anymore. It was coming up when I would, when I do my download and look at my data and it turns out this particular, the Phoenix five that I have doesn't do body battery for whatever reason. So <laughs> I use my stress number. Right. Uh, but it drives me nuts not having body battery. So I'm going to probably upgrade to a Phoenix seven here shortly. That does body battery. Well, well and let me, that, that, that's, that's going to be it. I, I pretty sure the Phoenix seven will do this. In fact, I'm, I think I'm positive, but I, I, you should make sure I don't, have you heard me talk about the new feature on the, the Garmin diesel now? No. And here's how crazy it is. Um, you know, Eric is, is product manager on the trucking side of things, but, the health stuff, even on the diesel watch, that's a different division in Garmin. I mean, that's just how Garmin works, the big company. Okay. So what happened a couple of weeks right. ago, I hadn't used my app in quite a while because the nice thing about my watch, I can see just about everything I need to see on my watch. So I got to the point where I was hardly opening yeah, my through it all. Yeah. yeah, I was hardly opening my app anymore. Um, and then one day I thought, you know, I should open it up and get caught up. Well, I open it up, I sync. I have a brand new tile at the top of my day page and it's HRV status. It now gives us not oh, only wow. body battery and stress, it now gives us the raw HRV score and a seven day moving average. And it now shows you yeah, I need that. It now okay. shows you each day what your seven day average is for your HRV, what your overnight last night HRV was, and whether or not you're balanced. So it turns out, and I didn't so know this about HRV, it turns out you know, we wanted that number to go higher. The higher your HRV, the the healthier you are. It's just probably the single most right. important marker <laughs> about um, metabolic and physical health. So that's why we love it. So, but I thought we just want to get it higher, but it turns out if you do something that actually makes it raise so much over your seven day average, that's actually not a good thing. It puts you out of balance. So you do want to improve it, okay. but you use this rolling seven day average to stay in that target zone and you'll improve faster. If you just kept cranking out a high number, your overall could actually start to go down. Right. Because it's going to flatten out. Know, the days one to a hundred scale? You know, I always thought it was one to a hundred, but I don't think they're, because of what they're measuring, they're measuring that variability. There is no upper number, I don't think. It could vary more. If somebody got to the point where they were at 100, nothing would stop it from going to 110. Your heart rate could vary more. And, and where is the upper limit to that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah, mine is 48, one-day average, 47 overnight. 
Yeah, I'm pretty close so, there. My my uh, average yeah. is in the high 40s, and um, the other night I actually hit a 55, which was right at the top of my range, which is probably ideal. You know, I'd like to hit that top of the range number overnight if I can, and then your your overall average should go up. There was a time I was working with a company um, when HRV first became available, you had to use a chest strap, which were the only devices that could measure HRV. I was working with a software company, and Ben Greenfield was working with them as well. And that was the first time I realized this because I, I had access to his records. We were both testing stuff, and I could see his tests every day, and he had exceeded 100 on his. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's also a world-class triathlete, so that probably helps a little. Are they uh, any any chance they're going to work on a CGM also? Because that, that that interests is, that, that interests me more than a uh, ooh yeah than the the blood yeah. pressure cuff. That's a that's an interest. I, don't know I, if I you should follow. I, I know I sent you a link to a to an Instagram account. This guy Liver King is a riot. I don't. Oh yeah, he's Liver hilarious. On, on I do. Anything. Yeah, he's hilarious. Isn't he awesome? Yeah, okay, he good. Is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so, uh, but Paul Sel- Paul Saldano's uh, Instagram. He's been pushing a. Uh, I guess he's selling one. He's got one in his store. Uh, you know, I don't know if you see some of his his stuff. He's really funny on 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 his on his social media. I don't know if you follow him or not, but. He's got he's got a real a line of T-shirts. One the one that says "Kale is bullshit" on it. He's got <laughs> he's got so much. I think I I actually think that's the name of his uh, account. Is Kale is bullshit? Kale is he's bullshit. got one that's called that. I like that. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but but he's got a, a CGM that he, he's he's uh, yeah he's pushing right now. Yeah, everyone's got to sell some. Some people got to make a living. I get. Well, I, I so uh, I know who it is. It kind of kind of intrigues me, and I know you've been wearing one. You yeah, same been, same company. You're used to wear one. Yeah, same company. I I, okay? I have a sales. I have a yeah. bunch of them. I was on a subscription, so they just keep you know. And then I finally canceled it, but I have a bunch of extras. So when I'm when I'm working on something new, I'll throw one back on, and I, they're amazing. I've recommended them to everybody. I don't care how healthy you are. I don't care if you think you're never going to be diabetic. It is an awesome number to monitor, and the CGMs are just amazing. Um, Paul Saladino's working with NutriSense. Um, we've been working with NutriSense yeah, since okay. they brought theirs out. We've had them. In fact, I think, do I have her coming up on the show? I know we just booked a bunch of guests again. And I think they might be coming back. I've had them on the show twice. Um, great company, really is. They okay. they consider themselves okay, cool. more of a software company than hardware. The CGMs are pretty generic. The the sensors themselves. Um, the money's going to be in the software. So that's really what, what right. they're working on is is better software. And that's the same company uh, Saldino works with. I think all of the natural health okay. practitioners uh, it- are working with NutriSense because the other companies are like the big pharmaceuticals. Okay. So NutriSense gets it. So they're going to look at the parameters. We want to see the numbers. NutriSense is a little startup where all the other CGMs are put out by those giant diabetic pharma companies. Right. But you need to, uh, like, if you get a chance, and again, I don't want this to cause you another time hog or, or, or suck you into social media. <laughs> and I, I realize that Instagram is, is, a, is, a, is a meta slash Facebook product, but his stuff on there is fantastic. 
And when people try to call him out, you know, he'll, he'll, now he'll go right at them. Like he really, it's really, really good. It's, uh, you know, again, short attention span, it's Instagram, it's a picture or a story or whatever. And, and some of the comments, you know, he'll, he'll go head to head with, with the vegans and, and whatever. It's really funny. It's, yeah, uh, I, it's, uh, it's fun to watch. And I'd love that kind of stuff. We need to get him on the show. I want to put him on the list. And I do have something I want to kind of challenge him on. His whole fruit what thing. What is that? His whole fruit thing. I was really excited about it. You know, eat carnivore and eat as much oh. fruit as you want, kind of, is what he's doing. And I thought, and I, I get his logic. His logic is, look, we stay away from vegetables because they have defenses. They Vegetables don't want to be eaten because right. you kill the whole plant most of the time to eat a vegetable. But fruit doesn't fit in that category. Fruit wants to be eaten. It doesn't have defenses against being eaten because that's how you spread the seeds of fruit. That's how they propagate, by being eaten right. and then spread and scattered. So the idea is, well, there shouldn't be anything bad in fruit. It wants to be eaten. So that made sense to me. Well, then we right. do have to watch the fructose content, but even, um, oh, who wrote Drop Acid? Um, the brain guy. Um yeah, that's uh, Dr. Perlmutter. Perlmutter. No, that's, yeah, Perlmutter it, wrote Drop Acid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yep. even he's though he's, yeah, I don't have that yet. Yeah, yep. he's, he's really comes down hard on fructose as being, you know, a driver of uric acid and all these other problems. But he specifically says not in fruit. That fructose, the whole real version of it is fine and it doesn't cause problems. So hearing those two things, I love fruit. So, and I eat one serving a day. I have for a long time. Doesn't seem to bother me. But if I could eat more, I would. I really like it. So uh, it kind of goes. All right. So he's all. So think about it. He's he's pushing fruit and and a continuous glucose monitor to tell you how much fruit you could eat. Think about that. Well, but here's the problem. <laughs> so, and he's, here's, he's he, I think he's added some. Uh, he's got he's got some uh, supplements as well that are basically fruit based. And, from what I saw as well. Yeah, here's what I want to challenge him on, though. First off, trying to monitor your blood sugar around fruit is difficult because most of the sugar in fruit is fructose. Fructose doesn't spike our blood sugar because it gets processed directly by the liver. So it can be very right. deceiving. And, and I have to warn diabetics about this. They're like, oh, no, I ate three bananas and my blood sugar's fine. It, well, yeah, that, but there's a reason for that. So we're, we're not really worried about the blood sugar effect, but what other effects? And here's what I'm finding. So not only did I test this, um, I just watched a video from, I watched a bunch of them yesterday. Other people that follow him and tried this, because I think a lot of people got excited about it. Almost everybody has had poor results. When I went to just two servings a day instead of one, one, I saw no problems whatsoever. Two, I am experiencing muscle pain that I can't get rid of. It, when I go wingboarding, Ooh, okay. the muscle pain is far worse than it should be, and it doesn't go away. It's like lingering for days. You know, I exert myself a little bit, and I've got, a, I've got sore muscles for days, and I'm like, what is going on? I was watching a video yesterday, a young girl, and she was hard to watch it was a 30 minute video that could have been done in six minutes if she just would have tightened it up but it, i wanted to get to the end to see what her results were because she did a really good job of documenting stuff so same thing she had been carnivore for a long time true carnivore 
So she said when she went back and had a bite of okay. watermelon, it was the first time in three years she had eaten fruit. She had some digestive issues in the beginning, and she said, you know, I'm sure it was because my body wasn't used to it. That cleared up in four or five days, and, and then it was no big deal. And she said with one piece of fruit a day, she was fine. Didn't notice any difference. Now, here's the other thing I will tell you. There was also no advantage to eating one piece of fruit a day. It wasn't like my mood was better. I right. got more energy. I didn't notice any difference at all, positive or negative, which was fine. I get to eat some fruit. She had the same experience. She went to two pieces a day. You should have seen the horrendous case of dandruff she got. It was awful. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're, we're, um, I'm finding people that are experimenting with this. And so far, most people are coming up with some pretty goofy negative results. You almost think I that just, just feel... that little bit from one to two, you get that big difference. So in between, just that one, you, you got to be, something's got to be going on. Yeah. And I'm so not sure what. Right. What, to, what's going on? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's just more fructose than the human body really wants to handle. It really rapidly I agree. out of whack. So, but I, 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 I feel I'd love so to get him better. on the show and see if he's had, you know, really good results with this. And then, and if he's done more research and can we figure out why, maybe some people do respond poorly to it, but not everybody. I don't know. Yeah, I look forward to hearing so, that. So, I uh, I feel so much better when I do no sugar at all, none, zero, no fruit, nothing, no grain, nothing, Same. like nothing. Uh, it, it really is hard for me, and I'll fall off the wagon and traveling stuff sometimes. It's not as it depends on who I'm traveling with. You know, spending a week or ten days that I spent up there in wine country with those wonderful restaurants and stuff, I ate whatever for that whole week. And I'll be honest with you, I paid for it when I got home. I, I mean, I, I went clean carnivore as soon as I got home. I felt lousy when I got home. I, I had some digestive issues for, I mean, I didn't poop solid for nearly a week. And, you know, it was, I, I just, you know, I drank up in the water, you know, ate, ate, basically ate meats and butter and some dairy, you know, and, and some, maybe a little bit of green vegetables, uh, not much, uh, you know, every now and then, or, or add some mushrooms too. I really enjoy mushrooms with my, with my steak. Yeah. Um, but you know, made with real butter, you know, or ghee, like I'll fry them up in some ghee and, and just, uh, it's just delicious. I, I love it. So I, you know, it's not hard for me to do. I, and I don't crave that stuff, but yeah, and you're out for a team dinner at an Italian restaurant that opened up just for your team that has pasta <laughs> that they made that day. Yeah, yeah. I, I get am it. not going to not eat it. I get I'm sorry. It. I mean, right. it was over the top shit. Yeah. You know, I'm in, I'm in, in Sonoma, California, in, the, in this restaurant that was owned by two, you know, an Italian couple that moved here from oh, wherever. Yeah. They're normally closed oh, on Monday. <laughs> they opened for us. <laughs> The husband and wife and one weight person waited on a team oh, of man. 15 people. And it was, and you didn't even get to order. They just brought right. out courses and I brought love out courses. That. You, you love that. raised on, and yeah. it was, and the wine was amazing. You know, it was, it was just, it, it, what, what do you do? I mean, you got to do it. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. But again, right. and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I really paid for it. <laughs> I, and again, it was only a few days yeah. long. It was right. You know, I, I got back. Okay, I'm in the shop by myself. I do my thing. I only keep things in the fridge or in the cabinet that, that, that fit with what I do. So I'm not even yeah. tempted. Uh, 
And, you know, so in a couple of days, I'm back on track and, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm at least on the positive side of ketosis. And that's it. You know, so, it, uh, yeah, so I will. I'm going to Italy for nearly a month now. I'm, I'm going over on the 19th and not coming back till the 5th. Three weeks anyway. Uh-oh. And so... I'm I'm gonna you know, so I'm gonna be super strict between now and then. <laughs> exactly right. And right. I'm not you know what. And from what my son said, the time he spent over there, he goes, "Well, he goes, it really isn't what you think." It's he not. said everything is fresh, everything right. is clean, right? Everything and tastes different. A steak tastes different there than it does here. It does, and uh, they, they it, it's you know so they don't typically serve huge plates of pasta. Pasta is more of a side dish for them. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. It's, it, yeah, it's not so, usually yeah, like, so I can't like wait. we somehow, when we eat pasta, we make it the main course all the time. They don't typically do that. I mean, they have great meat dishes and, and you're not all the processed food, especially if you go to the right places, like when you were in Sonoma and Napa. That's a whole different food world than most parts of the country. Yeah, and Italy has, you know, absolutely. Yeah, places that are the same way, which, yeah, that, that, will be awesome. You know, we've kind of come to the place where carnivore is our go-to. We don't tell people you have to do it forever, but if we get a new client, starting them on carnivore gets us the best results, and we tend to use carnivore to troubleshoot. If you're eating some other diet and you've got a problem, we can't figure it out, eat carnivore and let's see what happens. It almost always goes away. Right, and then you add things back one at a time or whatever, and you know, if, you, if, you, if you want to. I mean, if you're, if you're happy on carnivore, and again, I, I'm thrilled. I mean, when I'm home alone, um, as I am now, it's not hard for me at all. Exactly. It really isn't. Right, um, right. You know, I'll, I'll have some crap oils once in a while. Our local fire hall has a wing night that's just fantastic, and my girls yeah. love the wings. So, you know, so I'll do that, you know, and really the, the oil things, that's something I'm really trying to eliminate now. I, I really so, feel it when I eat fried food or food that was fried in seed oils. Yep. You know, Dr. Mercola for believes that that is our number one health issue for as far as our diet. You know, I kind of believe it's grains, but Dr. Mercola, you know, and for a long time, he would say it was grains. Lately, he's been shifting, kind of saying those bad seed oils could be the worst part of the standard American diet. And again, something else has been pitched to us is healthy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of wings, <laughs> since you mentioned wings and bad oils, um, you know, when I was frying, and I'm like a wing connoisseur. I love wings, make all kinds of sauces from scratch and just love wings. Um, and I used to deep fry them and I would deep fry them in beef tallow at 300 degrees, a nice low temperature. Oh, you made some for me. Oh, that's right. At your house. That's I, right. I've, I've eaten your wings. Yes. Yeah. We, I, I've had them. Yeah. Now, yeah. now you have to come back. I, I, it's a shame that I have, a, okay. it's a shame that I have a deep fryer built into the kitchen. Um, and I did that for wings, but I don't use it anymore. I have developed a recipe for smoked wings that are just out of this world oh. and they never have to be fried. <laughs> they are so in, put them in the smoker. How long do they take in the smoker? So yeah, I'll give the recipe because it's, uh, it took me a while to develop this. I tried a bunch of different things, but here's what works. Now I have a very specific smoker and this helps a little bit. Uh, I'll give a recipe that you wouldn't have to. I have a setting on my Traeger for super smoke. 
And I can really get a lot of smoke on something in a short period of time. And that's the problem with wings. I, you know, you put ribs on the smoker. You can leave them on for three or four hours. No problem. Get plenty of smoke on them. These wings just aren't going to be on there long enough to pick up a bunch of smoke. So I kind of had to figure out, right. you know, what works best. So here's what works best. Actually, high temperature. But I put the wings in the smoker cold. So during the startup process, it just puts out tons of smoke. So they're in there while it's starting up and they just get smothered with smoke. But I set the temperature at 375 and it takes 20 to 30 minutes. And you get just incredible wings with this really nice smoke. And I know a lot of people don't like it because they think it's overpowering. But again... It's only a short period of time. We're trying to get as much smoke on there as we can. So I use mesquite. It's got a nice, that really kind of strong. Okay. Yeah. So they oh, are. I don't mind it a bit. They are incredible. So Kevin, awesome. what do you think about Paul Saladino talking about you don't like the smoking of meats? Yeah, I see. He mentions that in his book. I yeah, I've, really I've like heard that. forever. Really you, I've heard forever about grilling meat and the smoke will, is carcinogenic and we create compounds that are carcinogenic. And there isn't strong proof to that. There's some evidence that maybe it's true. So when there's a dispute about this kind of stuff, nutrition, lifestyle, if there's a dispute, and clearly on the smoked and grilled meats, there's a lot of dispute. That's not a slam dunk. And I go back to, if we don't know an answer and we can't prove it one way or another, I go back to how did we evolve? How did we co- start cooking our meat? Me too. That's what I do, yeah. Go back to where... We didn't have a convection oven. We had fire. No. That's all we no, had no for fire. hundreds no. of yeah. thousands yeah. of years. That's all we had to um, cook was million. fire, right? Exactly. Millions of years. Millions yeah. of years. Yep. That's all we yeah. had to cook food was fire, yeah. and we cooked it directly. You can't tell me that that was bad for us. Here, here's the thing with that. So the carcinogenic thing, I get it, and, and I'm a big believer, and after you know having a significant other who was, was dealing with cancer and still is, um, I, I get that, but I, I went and read Cancer Code, which she didn't and won't and, you know, won't, you know, listens to the dietitian at the hospital who wants her to eat sugar and fruits and, and grains and things like that. So if you look at the carcinogenic thing, like in regard to like smoke or smoked foods or, or, or the carcinogens that, that happen on a, on a piece of meat when you char it, and if it's not coupled with a sugar slash grain based <laughs> right. diet, is it really the causation? Exactly. Right. Right. Uh, it's it's really not a hard sign. I'm not saying that you know cancer isn't a big deal of any sort, but you know those people weren't dying of cancer a hundred thousand no. years ago. No, right? they weren't. It wasn't happening, and that was the only way they cooked it, it, all of their food. Everything was cooked over right. a fire. That's all we had. So, you know, so the, the three things that will cause cancer to, to proliferate is, you know, it's basically your immune system goes unchecked and a single cell organism is allowed out to, to run free in your body. And, you know, so it's an injury that didn't dispatch the full strength of your immune system to, to encapsulate it yep. and do the inflation it needed to to hold it down. Or it's a carcinogen. 
Um, and what was the third? There, there are three things that lead. Oh, and, sugar. Uh, and obviously sugars. Sugar can feed, feed yeah. the cancer cell itself, right? It feeds it. So when you do the combination, uh, I forgot something else from the list. It was over a year ago when I read it. But it, it all of a sudden makes sense. You know, and, and I've heard stories of people who, you know, have, have reversed cancers by simply strictly eliminating any kind of sugar from their life, well, including not, grains, including things right. that people think are healthy. Not all cancers feed on sugar. So we, we know that, but there right. are some that absolutely do. And when they do, here's how... Here's how it works. A, a regular human cell, we know this, we talk about it all the time, can fuel itself with either sugar or fat. It has two energy sources. Right. Specific cancer cells don't. They can only exist on sugar. They cannot use fat for energy. Right. They can only use sugar for energy. If you starve them of sugar, the cell dies. It has no nutrition and no energy. It, it just dies. dies. You kill it. Right. Yeah, I don't believe the grilling so it, meat it, it thing it is bad. Me, I just don't. It, it, it amazes yeah, me that I'd go to one of these cancer appointments with her. They would feed her sugar water with something <laughs> in it that the PET scan machine picks up. That, that's why, because they know that sugar okay. goes directly and, to that cancer cell and glows. And, and, and give it, give her uptake numbers, meaning how much it's sucked up, which is an indicator of how healthy the cancer is, not how healthy you are. Right. And hopefully those are low. And then the dietitian comes in and asks her how she's eating and tells her to eat more grains and fruits. Yep. I'm like, <laughs> how does that make sense? It does. I couldn't fix a car like that. Exactly. Right. right. I, 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 yeah. Okay, your your car is not running because there's water in the gas tank, and telling the person to go put more water in the gas tank, like it, it just it, it, it doesn't uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh. again, and again, you and you have nothing at all to lose by trying this, right? Like if you're in that situation, if you're exactly if you cancer, and you're in that situation. What do you have to lose by going strict carnivore for a month and see what your numbers are at your next appointment? Right. What have you got to lose? Uh, it, it, it blows me away that that's the last thing. I know. And just imagine telling that dietitian who walked in as part of this whole, this whole appointment and talks about your food. Well, I've eaten absolutely nothing but, you know, nose to tail anymore. I've eaten, you know, nothing that doesn't come off of an uh, animal. Right. And that's it. And while right. your numbers are down, I wonder why. Yeah. And they would, they would tell you to stop. They would probably tell you to stop, right? So, <laughs> well, so, yeah. let me give you an absolute example of this. Um, Lisa has a really rare liver condition. It's an autoimmune liver condition. Um, and it attacks the bile ducts and um, creates so much inflammation in the bile ducts, they can't produce and release bile. Uh, and it's deadly, and it's a it's rare, it's chronic. Um, she got it like twenty years ago. I mean, she had it a long time. She has to have a doctor, a special doctor that you know specializes in this, and there are certain tests they have to do. So they they and this is a really hard condition to diagnose. It was actually when she first had it, she was in and out of doctors and hospitals. Nobody could figure out what was going on. It was a dermatologist that actually diagnosed it because it, it, it when you don't have any bile, um, you will start itching like crazy. 
her whole body just starts itching. So the dermatologist was actually the one that figured out what it was. When she went to the specialist at the time, he said, here's how this disease works. It will progress. And they use one specific liver number, alkaline phosphate, to, to follow the progression. So he said, it's my job to make sure you die of something other than this liver condition, that I have to manage this for the rest of your life so that you die from something else. That's my goal. But he said, the numbers will always go up. And at some point, you'll need a liver transplant. The numbers will get so high, you'll need a liver transplant. That was 20-some years ago. The range on this, if I remember right, alkaline phosphate is like 0 to 30, I think is a normal range. Uh, when she first was diagnosed okay. with this, her alkaline phosphate was in the 500s. And the doctor said, it will go up. We're going to check it like every six months. I think she has to have it monitored. Um, we're going to check it. and We're going to do things to try to keep that number down. Well, all they did was give her a drug. There was nothing else. There's no dietary advice. There's no lifestyle advice. When they say, we're going to do everything we can to keep it down. All they did was give her a drug. Um, and it's actually, it's kind of an interesting drug. It's bear bile. They actually, and unfortunately, they have to kill okay. the bear. They kill the bear to harvest the bile to make okay. this drug. Um, and, you know, at one point, we're paying $900 a month for this stuff. Uh, that's a whole nother story. Um, so her numbers, so she, she had the, now Lisa and I have known each other our whole life. We went to school together. Our fathers drove together. Um, but yeah. we got back together, um, just back in 2007, we hadn't seen each other or talked to each other in 25 years. When we did, I found out right. she, that she had this condition. So she had it, she had been diagnosed with it probably, you know, five years before we got back together. So when we started the diet thing, something really interesting happened. Her numbers went down. Doctor said that never happens. Her numbers went down and they went down pretty significantly the first time. Now, here's the thing. 10, 10 plus years ago, almost 15, she was in the five and six hundreds. Now she's at like 220. Okay. Oh, wow. Yeah. Is it continuing to go down? Yeah. It, she just Continue? had another checkup a couple weeks ago, and it went down another 30 points. Now, we have had a couple times That's where it's great. actually Don't gone. We have had a couple times where it's actually gone up a little bit. We've been able to go back and identify what went wrong. We were on the road traveling. Our diet slipped a little sure. bit. Yeah. 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 And, it, and the number yeah. goes back up. But here's the first time it happened. The first time it happened. Now, the doctor... They give the same drug to every patient. There's really only one drug on the market for this. So they do the same thing for every patient. The doctor has said the numbers never go down. They always go up. So when the numbers went down, do you know what his first response was? Man, that drug's really working. What? <laughs> That's what he said. What number? Uh, I mean, if it continues to go down, will, will, will you get to a number where she tries uh, getting rid of the drug? We we might. We might. I think if we got down under 100. Now, we did try another test. Right. And I, so doing some research, actually, my son Michael found this. Uh, he found a supplement called Tudka. And it turns out that Tudka... It's actually a drug in Europe 
but it's a supplement in the U.S., which is backwards. Usually, it's the other way around. But this is this is a prescribed drug in Europe, but it's a supplement here. And what it is, so the bare bile, this supplement is synthetic bare bile. They they match the chemical compound of the bare bile synthetically, so they don't have to kill the bear. Well, that's a good thing. I like that. And then for some reason, and I don't know why. They added a taurine molecule, and taurine is a, an amino acid okay. protein. So udka, right, 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 yeah, yeah. udka would be the straight bear bile. Tudka is synthetic bear bile with a taurine molecule for some reason. So we actually switched right. her for like six months to the supplement just to see. I wanted to see, could a supplement okay. be just as powerful as the drug? Her, her numbers went up 20-some points. And over six months, that wasn't bad. Okay. I mean, we had had it go up 40 or 50 points right. with, with no change to the drugs, it's stress and diet. So the fact that we could use a supplement and her numbers only went up a little mm-hmm. bit and there might have been another factor. But we went back to the drug. I didn't like right. the fact that her numbers went up. But I keep a supply of the, um, of the supplement around. When COVID first hit, Right. Yeah, I mean, we, so, you know. we, we had a moment of panic. She needs this drug to live. When COVID first hit over in China, they started using bear bile and they thought it was working against COVID. And there were reports of it. And I thought, okay. oh, that's going to be a problem. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah, you pretty... have to turn into a bear hunter. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so it's pretty interesting, yeah, interesting to see. I mean, if you get her down, I mean, if you, if you keep, it, it, it amazes me that over years, this has happened. That's really cool. 20, you know, yeah, like 20 years, doing, right. There. Right. And it's a little bit at a time. So seriously, you get to a point where it's under a hundred, you know, maybe just switch from, you know, switch from the, the drug to the supplement and let the number creep up a little bit, but then watch the diet again and see if it can continue to fall. Well, and, and two, that, two you know, things in the safe zone. Why not? Yeah. One, he said, you know, when she was diagnosed, you will, if I keep you alive long enough, you're going to need a liver transplant. Well, that, that talk is gone. I mean, right. at her age now, with right. her numbers where they are, there's not much chance that that's ever going to happen now. She's fine. Yeah. She's going to be fine. Yeah. yeah, that was big. There's that's one great. other thing that, that happens, and she has to go get an endoscopy every three years because in your esophagus, for some reason, this disease causes something called varices, and they're like these anomalies okay. in the esophagus. So they watch for it because they know it's going to happen eventually with this disease, except for her, it's not happening. He said, I, I've never seen anybody with okay. this disease with an esophagus that looks so clean. He said, you have no indications at all. And is there any convincing the doctor at None. all that diet might have something to do with None. it? I mean, is there ever been a conversation say, hey, look, I, this is what we're doing? I try every time. Um, you know, here's, here's his response. Really? If, I, if I talk about food and diet, he'll say, well, that certainly can't hurt. I mean, that's just his pat response. Well, that certainly can't hurt, but it's not affecting these numbers. That's kind of his approach. Um, If I talk about supplements, the minute that word comes out of my mouth or anything like it, his response is, there's no proof they work. (laughs) Right. That's it. That's the end of the conversation with him. There's no proof that they work. (sighs) 
And yeah. we have so much so, proof that your drugs work, right? Yeah. Well, and again, they're, yeah. yeah, they're they're not paid by a drug company. Just send them to Hawaii or something. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Right. So that's that's that. Yeah, I, I approach yep. it all yeah. the time. Are they just scared of the insurance company and losing income? Yeah. But it, it's amazing because I try it almost every time I go and see him. I try to bring up some sort of a conversation like this. He pretty much shuts it down, and then he spends the rest of the visit bragging about how good her results are. I don't have any patients that have. Uh, oh, God, come on. <laughs> Do you get it? <sighs> yeah. Oh, oh, oh it's basically can't get it. I know. Stuff. I, I don't know how we fix it. Remember, I told you about my daughter last week. Well, it turns out now she's got a. Again, this so much parallel parallels Michelle Hearn's story. Yes. Uh, yeah. She again, she's a beast of a runner. She's super strong. She's fast. She's good. She has a stress fracture in her leg for no reason. Yep. No, there's a reason. She has weak bones. Um. Right. And, and the only reason she has weak bones is she eats standard American diet. Correct. And so, I bought, uh, so I bought a copy right of Dietitian's Dilemma, and I bought a copy of uh, Big Fat Surprise, just because to me, Big, Big Fat Surprise gives the history as to how we got here. Right. And I'm not like some crazy conspiracy <laughs> theorist, because it's not. It was all legal. It made sense. Right. It's, I didn't read this on, on QAnon. Like, this is real, okay? Eisenhower had a heart attack. Everybody panicked. And Ansel Keys fucked everything up. Exactly. And so it's really simple. Like, it really, really, really simple. And, you know, so I, I sent that first to her mom. So I, I got on Amazon, actually, last Friday after after the show. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to send it. And I've already sent links to their Instagram accounts and things to her and some other stuff. And so I said, so I called Stacey. I said, hey, look, I sent a couple of books to you. Please read them. You know, it could help with Julia's situation. So diet's going to fix her broken leg. I said, no, <laughs> it's, it's going to help her. It's going to keep her from getting another one. Exactly. It's going to give her the ability to do what she loves and, and still run. Right. So that's what it's going to do. So please just give it a little bit of a chance. So, and the reason I picked those two, you know, I, I was also going to send lies. Your doctor told you, but I, I think being that they're women, I thought the two women authors might help. Uh, excellent. Choice. And both of those stories excellent are pretty choice. compelling. Yep. And, and, and you're right. So like the I said, one, because, because Nina's book, the, the, the Michelle story, that could be your daughter's future. One way or the other. Right. It could be the bad future or it could be the good future. Read the book and see the difference. Well, I can't get over how many young women, and young people I've talked to who used to run or used to do this, who tell me about problems they have in their 20s. Yes. Like in their twenties, they're talking about, yeah, I used to run, but my legs hurt too bad or I have this problem or that problem or whatever. Right. And Oh, by the way, I don't eat meat. I'm like, well, there's your problem. There's your problem. You know? So it's, it's, it's really interesting. So hopefully it'll get to her. We'll, we'll see. And I'll, I'll keep working on her too. Good. And again, Good. much like my cancer story. So what would it hurt it, for you to try for a month? John, if you could ever you know, convince her to, to just, just do a discovery call with Lauren. Right. Uh, she, she probably would. Julia probably would. And, you know, again, she is an over-the-top straight-A student, all honors classes, AP classes. She's a great athlete, uh, super fit or seemingly super fit, but she eats, you know, stuff out of boxes, standard and, and, American and, diet. And we know what's and, going and, to happen. We know it. And worse than that, they go low-fat. They think fat is, is, is bad. They're, they're, all on the, they're still on that side of it, right? 
Yep. And, you know, believes in carbo loading and her, her cross country coach actually brought a dietitian in who was completely wrong about everything. And, and she looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, yeah, he was wrong. Like I really, I'd really like to talk to your coach. Like I would yeah. really, really love to talk to your coach. Yeah. And you know, and, and she just, she won't, she won't dare let me like, Oh no, I'm not leaving anywhere near that guy. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. You, but, you know, Oh, well, yeah. You know, so. send, send your daughter, daughter a link to the story of Zach Bitters. You know, and, and some of these, you know, crazy ultra marathoners and extreme athletes that are finding incredible success with getting away from carb loading and vegetarian and, and they're right. going to heavy carnivore and keto. And they the, the results are incredible right. every time. It's happening rapidly. And I did send her a link to, uh, I'm not sure that you watched the but serial killers as well. I love and, that. Yeah. And that, that to me is another one. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So. All we'll right. See. I'm going to stay have... on her. I'm not going to let her. Uh, we got to go. Or we have calls. I, yeah, I, we have... I'm just driving. I can talk for another hour. Well, <laughs> we'll keep going then because we have calls and it's Friday. I don't have anything <laughs> planned. I did go check the wind forecast. Um, so here's, here's what we've got. Um, the best wind in the gorge today is pretty close to me. That's a good thing. I don't have to go far. Um, but it's right where it was yesterday. It's right in that 15 to 18 knot at 15 knots. I don't want to bother getting on the board. I'm going to struggle at 18 knots. I can probably get it up on the foil and that's all I care about. If I have enough wind to get me up on the foil, then I can actually learn. But if all you're doing is dragging around in the water on your board all day and you can't get up on the foil, I'm not learning anything. So I, I think I'm no. going to go. It, it, it might be one of those frustrating days, but they're predicting we're not going to have anything after today till next Wednesday. So I'm probably going to get out and take my chances on this. But it's 15 to 18. It started at dawn this morning, and it goes all the way to dusk. It's consistent all day long. So I don't have to be in any hurry to get out there. Okay, so that might work better. Yeah. I, in fact, right. I think I'm going to cool. wait because it does tend to get better towards the end of the day. So I think I'm going to wait today. So we will get to some calls. Brian in Pennsylvania, you're up. Holy cow, guys. I can intro with all kinds of stuff, but I'm going to lose <laughs> signal in like 15 minutes. Um, the, the last time we talked about my oil sample was about two years ago, and I was near Albany, and you suggested that I just leave it outside the port. <laughs> I did not do that. Uh, With the keys in it like, running and the door open. Uh, right. Uh, I ran it about another year, and I kind of had a plan that I sort of screwed up on and didn't follow through the way I wanted to. I said, if anything happens to this motor, I'm just going to yank it and put an American fleet reman in it. I was pretty impressed with them. Okay. Well, I blew a head gasket and I didn't put one of their motors in. You know, they have nice, you know, BDEC 4, BKs, high compression, just yeah. coolers. Uh, the shop that I found to swap it for me just so happened to have a DDAC 3 GK that they already had built sitting on a stand. And uh, there was going to be a lead time issue with the American fleet engine. So I just did it. Okay. Um, and so I've had it a year. 
and the oil samples are just as ugly or uglier than my old motor. They are. Uh, they are. What the hell's going on here? And and it wow. uses just as much or more oil. Like, well, so I just tried a different oil, and it seems like it's holding up maybe a little better. But I'm putting a gallon in like every five thousand. Oh, so oh. I'm starting to think the problem yeah. is the truck owner and or the driver. <laughs> I, I, I had to teach well with. I, I, I don't. <laughs> I don't really ugly think, oil samples too. I, I don't think so, but John, let me try to describe the oil sample to you since I'm looking at it myself. Oh, the best I, way I did send it to you, John, as well. Yeah, he he's okay, driving. Cool. So even if he's looking at it, I'm we're driving not, right we're, now. I can't look at it. Yeah, even yeah, if he oh, was, okay. we we wouldn't okay. admit it. So, um, so right. here's the best way I could describe it. Um, remember, I kind of remember. When I was a really little kid, I really wanted that 64 box of Crayola crayons with the built-in sharpener. Oh, it's got that much color on it. That's that. It looks like we turned a five-year-old loose with a box of uh, 64 Crayolas on this thing. It's pretty colorful. Okay. And it's like all over the board, the too. Worst? Like, What's I don't even know where it? to start. Um, let's see. Oh, here's what I would consider the worst. A lot of people might not. Um, on a Series 60, 2.6 soot. Yeah, that's a that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah. something. This thing and is this is not, a DDX three, right? So it's no, it's not EGR, right? Right, right. right. That's probably the worst uh, number I see which, on here. Which, and then the other thing we can't ignore: I, hell, this thing's not far from a rebuild. A gallon every five thousand miles. You don't have a whole lot more time left. does need a front seal which they are going to do under warranty but okay and i don't think i'm losing that much you're not but maybe i am yeah no i, I mean think about it how many I miles you, are on it if pe- i i want to get this in here because this one kind of frustrates me when people are losing gallons of oil and they want to point to a leak i just want you to go out where that leak is and right under where it's dripping down pour a quart of oil out on the the pavement <laughs> <laughs> right? Pour a pint. Pour exactly. a pint of oil, a half a pint of oil on the ground and watch how much it is. It's huge. We, yeah, we, that's, that's, oil that's consumption, why I don't freak out about oil leaks either. Correct. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Oil yep. consumption does not yeah. come from leaks ever. So uh, both of those items, the soot and the oil consumption... Uh, do you know what turbo's on this? Does it have Borg Warner on it? Is it, is it a Detroit turbo on there? Um, it's it's some sort of 702. I'm not sure okay. that it was. So it's a 17702? Yeah. I'm telling there are a lot of Chinese knockoff 17702s out there. You can buy them on eBay for like 300 bucks. Um, <laughs> I... I Seriously, they're all over the place. Just, just just Google that part number, and you'll you'll get them. No no crap, four hundred dollars on eBay. Three hundred. Yeah, they're they're all over the place. Make sure you know both of those items, the soot and the uh, and and the oil consumption could be the turbo. Uh, that turbo could possibly be throwing a little bit of oil, uh, or it could be you know just if it's got a mild leak on the exhaust side, it'll just burn it off, and you'll never see the smoke. You know, and that it, that seems like a lot of consumption, but. You know, if you're thinking it's little, it's a little less than a quart to a thousand. So you could burn that off and never see it. Right. I would, uh, I'd really get someone to take a look at that turbo. 
Uh, just feel the soot on the outside, on, on, on the exhaust side, pull the exhaust pipe off and just run your finger over that. It'll have a sticky feel if it's got some oil in there. And same deal on the intake boot. Just pull the intake boot off and, and just take a look inside. Don't wipe it off. Don't clean it. But take a look inside the compressor housing, you know, on the outlet side and make sure it's not throwing a little bit of oil. Uh, and again, those could lead to some of the other numbers. So I, I'm really, uh, I'd be suspect of that turbo. And you know, like I said, new parts are always suspect, and there are a ton of knockoff uh, 17702s out there. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it, it could be the case. And, you know, I really don't have that much against knockoff parts. Some of them are great. Sometimes it works, sometimes it's worth the risk, but, you know, you could have a, you know, it could be a generic uh, version of that turbo on there. It's kind of like Harbor Freight Tools. Sometimes they actually make sense. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, sometimes they do. Yep. Yeah, so that would be my first place I'd look. The leak is not going to be it. And what are the other, what are the other flag that? You know, it, 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 we've, we've got some wear metals that are higher than they should be, including some lead and copper jumped up for a little while and came back down. But I don't think it was an oil cooler. I actually do think it might have been bearing. Right. Um, it, we had really high silicon at 26. Last sample came down to 13. I just think most of that is because the engine had been opened up, right? Right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that'll flush it. That'll keep going down then. Yeah, so the fact that it went Again, down this time. there's a bearing in the turbo, was, too. I, I yeah. really, I'd be suspect of the turbo before I panicked on the engine. If they if they use real Detroit uh, cylinder kits and such, uh, you know, the ring should come in, should be in by now, should, shouldn't be, you know, it's uh, it shouldn't be an issue. So let me ask you this, John. Other than the oil consumption, which could increase soot a little bit, although... I've seen a lot of Series 60s that are using a gallon, you know, under 10,000 miles, even down as low as five, and their soot doesn't go up. When we have a Series 60 tuned right, this engine produces almost no soot. It's incredibly low. So is there – how am I trying to say this? Um, It seems to me like when we've found soot, we can almost always solve it. It, It's not like – something they totally screwed up on the engine that we can't fix is there something that could be in the engine that we can't fix that causes it i can't think of anything other than piston rings no i mean that's really about it you know if if you too much combustion going by the uh uh, by the the rings but you'd also have a lot of blow by to go with it uh again exhaust the seal on the exhaust side of the turbo uh it could they could definitely add to the oil Again, so some of this stuff to me, you know, I, I'd get a look at that turbo or, you know, they are cheap enough. Even the real idea. ones aren't that expensive anymore. Yeah. Uh, maybe toss one on there. Or, uh, again, Series 60 seemed to have an increase in soot when the, when the, when the overhead goes way off That's as well. That's true. Yeah. That I really can't put my finger on why, uh, but it's, it, it's common that, uh, you know, the overhead being out of adjustment will cause some soot in a Series 60. You know, it was interesting when I first started doing oil samples and I saw the pattern of, um, you know, high soot and how that was all happening. And I started noticing, um, you know, the overhead and high soot. And I just saw the pattern. I didn't stop to think about whether an overhead being off would cause high soot or not. And I can remember even Pete saying one time when I said that, he said, an overhead would cause that? And I said... I, I'm not sure why, but I see it as a pattern. 
That and on that that series sixty, it's right. a fairly common pattern. That's the engine would see that on. Yeah, that's for that's for sure. Yeah, you definitely see it on series six. And again, I can't put my finger on why. Right. What's you know, happening? I, you know, I know what the overhead does. I mean, you know, aside from travel on the injector that it affects when you adjust the injector, which is you know the piston controls the amount of fuel. The computer helps out with that now. So the the injector does. Right now, it just needs to be adequate. Like it's there's not a huge deal with that. Right. Uh, obviously the exhaust plungers on a, on a, on a Volvo are serious, but that's the exhaust plunger that actually the Jake. If it's not adjusted properly, bottoms out, it's bind on everything and breaks it. So that's a whole other story there. But on a, you know, the other, other thing that's affected, like I've said, is valve overlap. So that's the time in between when it's not a compression stroke and both valves are actually open. So the amount of time that valves open is it's very sensitive to that. So if your overhead's tight, you're going to have an increase in overlap, which means you'll have an EGR effect. So the, the back pressure will, will, will blow into the cylinder as well when they're both open and out into the intake, which is why you get some blackening on an intake, even on an engine that does not have EGR. Right. So that, that, that's how that works. Okay. Now, could that contribute to soot? Or are they that sensitive on overlap that when those, both of those valves are open for too long and you get that backflow, does it end up blowing around the rings and make its way down to the bottom? Possibly. Yeah. Uh, or up around the valve guides. Uh, valve guides could do it as well um, on the exhaust side, but they need to be really worn for that to happen. Uh, so, yeah, I would... Uh, I uh, Seriously, the, the, the smoking gun to me there would be if the thing doesn't have a bunch of blow-by, which means your rings are probably healthy, uh, and, and the overhead set correctly, I would look at the turbo. Uh, all this stuff, you know, the wear metals as well as the, uh, as well as the soot and the, and the oil consumption could all be turbo. Okay. Yeah. It's so. Is it? Does the lower compression could that affect the soot, or could my big JR tune and me driving like an idiot make it that high? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, the low compression will not affect the soot. The, uh, yeah, you drive like an idiot, and, the, and, and yeah, and, and Jr. will do a pretty aggressive tune exactly. once in a while. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I love him to death, but he's he, he's not. He's not afraid. Yeah, no, he, JR has no fear when it comes to tuning. Yeah, when 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 I walked into yeah. the engineering room and said, "Hey guys, I don't care anything at all about efficiency. I want to see how much horsepower you can give me." I saw the gleam in his eye. Yeah, he was. He gets pretty excited yeah. about that kind of stuff. So that could absolutely cause high yeah. sweat. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so Leroy probably cringed and Jr. probably jumped up and down. Yeah, so that's, uh, <laughs> that's what happened. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so but that th- definitely could. And the low compression, the only issue with the low compression is, and back when we built hot rod, uh, you know, mechanical engines, back when we were building really hot rod 855s, you know, back in, you know, I, I helped build, I helped Bruce build uh, two engines that went and ran in the Lucas truck series in the 80s back in England, over in England. But we went as low on compression as we possibly could. Uh, we, we, we went to great lengths to lower the compression and then we just make up for it with boost to keep cylinder pressures down, you know, at lower RPMs and such. And, you know, there, there are a lot of advantages to the low compression when it comes to performance. Uh, the disadvantages are simply emissions. It's, uh, and again, it's a different type of emissions. You, you'll get a lot more hydrocarbon emissions and our, our lovely EPA has gone back and forth on this, which is why some emissions engines are got, have gone back to low compression are bid for an era. Now they're back to high compression. So if you look at all the new stuff coming up, it's super high compression. Uh, but it, what, because it does reduce NOx. So lower compression is less NOx. So when NOx was the, was the boogeyman, 
everything went low compression. And now that Knox isn't quite as much of the boogeyman and we've learned how to mitigate it with after treatment, uh, it's, you know, engines are going back to higher compression because there's some efficiency to be gained with the higher compression, you know, in regard to fuel mileage. From a performance standpoint, you want the low compression engine, blow a bunch of boost on the thing. They run smooth and quiet and make tons of horsepower and, and you, you've got more room to work with there. It's, it's like a stereo with more headroom, like you've got more volume to work with. And yeah, so it's really not a bad thing. The only thing is in our cold Pennsylvania winters, it'll, it'll, it'll be smoky when you start it up in the cold. I mean, it's going to throw some hydrocarbons out. You're going to have, you know, you'll be throwing raw fuel out your stack when the thing's ice cold and you just have to live with it. Uh, just, that's just what they do when the compression's low. Um, I will say that half engine mode, if anyone's never experienced it, it, it does work. It's pretty wild. Um, and for those that don't know that there's the D deck ECM has this thing where when it's cold out, if you turn it on, once it fires right. off and runs for a couple seconds, it'll cut to three cylinders, which sounds insane, but yeah, it works. It, it clears that smoke right up and it, it sounds kind of crazy. It's kind of cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. It's cylinder deactivation. It's just an idle though. Yeah. They, they, Detroit's been on that for ages. Well, ever since the series 60 came out, they've had that for idle. And you know, you'll hear a truck that has it. If you don't know what you're listening to, like, man, this thing has a miss. And it does. <laughs> so it's actually got three of them. It's it like, it kills every other, every other firing basically. Hey. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to take this call in a whole new direction. I'm going to take the show in a whole new direction. So I, I don't spend a lot of time on uh, Facebook anymore. I don't post really at all. Um, I'll like something now and then, but I, I monitor it. I get great ideas. I see what people are talking about, what they're doing. Uh, I just don't like being deleted and censored. So, um, so I saw one this morning. I happened to see this post. Here's what it, it it's in the... Um, it's in a group I belong to, trucking, freight loads, rates, load boards, authority, brokers, all that stuff. So it says, if you are a truck owner running full-time and working only with quick pays, you are mostly doing a lot of work. I don't really understand that, but it says, please consider joining right. a factoring company for more consistency and make sure they will do their back office for you. You'll be saving a lot of time and mostly money. So I jumped in first off, you might save some time. <laughs> it's impossible for you to save money with this. Don't give me your saving any money. So I, I just said I did. Yeah. Cause they have, they, they have to, they have to make money. Of don't course. They? The right. Right. Company there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, here's all I said. I just posted. I said, can you explain your rate and how it would compare to an APR loan or an advance on a credit card? I just want to hear her explanation. So here's, here's her response. She says, I'm very happy that you asked that question. We are not a bank and we don't provide loans. Yes, you do. Rather, we purchase debt. That's exactly what a factoring company does. Exactly. Right. I, yeah. It's the same damn thing. So <laughs> we don't have extra fees, payment plans, no interest rates. Oh, you're going to let me borrow your money for free? If there's no interest rates, you must be letting me borrow it for free. The ignorance is amazing. And your credit score doesn't necessarily right. define your factoring rate. Oh, yes, it does. So you lied again. So, but, so here's what I, and here's what she says, goes on. She answers again. The best way to look at it 
if you make $10,000 a month in a 2.75% to 3% factoring, it can be lower. Wait a minute. You just told me there was no interest rate. And now you're quoting me an interest rate. Come on. Right. Um, uh, Let's see. This is $2,700 annual payment. She's right. But that's $2,700 in interest charges. Let's be real about what it is. It's the time value of money. So I responded, you do realize that what you just quoted me was a 36% annual interest rate. (laughs) She's got a 3% factoring rate. I'm only factoring the money for 30 days. Because I could have gotten paid in 30 days from the shipper or the broker. In 30 days, yeah. Right. So I'm factoring this money for 30 days. You're charging me 3%. That's a 36% interest rate. She hasn't responded to that yet. I have a feeling she won't be able to. She won't be able to. She is clueless about this and has no idea what what I'm trying to point out to her. And, and she'll probably quietly leave that chat. Yes. So, hey, I'm going to I'm going to go back to the other uh, to the other uh, subject there that uh, Brian was talking about with the half engine mode because because uh, it's really cool actually. So the reason that eliminates smoke is because the engine still wants to go whatever RPM it's idling. So you've just doubled the work of each cylinder, which creates enough temp to actually burn off all the fuel and not have the white smoke and and such. But I just need to get that out because it, it actually is some old technology that actually is fairly cool. So that's all. We can get back Got to factoring it. now. Now we could skip the factoring too. <laughs> my rant's over. <laughs> Your rant's over? That, that's okay. just one of my pet peeves. The whole factoring thing. Look, I don't care if you factor. You get to run your own business. Everybody does. I'm not here to tell anybody how to do business. But I do want people to understand, and they don't. They this is one of those things. It's worse than fuel tax. I try to explain factoring and I will be called an idiot. This is just math. Where did you learn how to do math? 3% is 3%. No, it's not because it's a time value of money. It's not a math calculation. There's a math calculation as part of it, but it's the time value of money that they're not understanding. And I said, look, You know, this is a 36% rate. I could do the same thing you're doing with credit card advances for one-tenth of the cost. Right. I'll just go borrow my own money from a credit card and pay almost nothing for it. Right. If you pay it off that month, it costs you nothing. Yeah. So so you could could actually borrow. You could could most credit cards out there in the world right now if you, you, you know, whatever they might have a yearly fee or something, but regardless, it's small. Right. And then uh, a lot of them pay 1% cash back. And if you pay off your bill at the end of the month, they don't <laughs> charge you any interest. Sometimes so on cash advances, they do. On purchases, they never do on they cash will, yeah, advances they would on that. sometimes. They do, but it's small. Oh, well, it, but it's not a 36% interest you rate. Right. You don't have to, though. I mean, Correct. if you can live on that right. thing for a month and pay it off rather than while you're waiting for your money. There you go. And you're not right. really you know, even getting the cash advance thing, right? Right. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a great strategy. Don't take a cash advance. Pay your, your electric bill and your groceries and everything else with your credit card. Use your cash to run your business. Right. Now it costs you nothing. Right. Then when your money comes, then when your money comes in in 30 days, pay the credit card off in full and it was free yep. money. Yep. So, yeah. <laughs> really not hard not hard to figure out there you go brian what else you got 
Uh, that's all I got. I'm, I'm going to lose you here. Got it. All right. We'll let you okay. go because the calls just keep on coming. Paul. All welcome. right. Howdy. I'll just give a traffic <laughs> update for Alabama. I, I-85 northbound in Montgomery, just past mile marker or exit six. It looks like it might be a fatality accident. There was no traffic moving northbound. Oof. Oh, wow. Yeah. Not good. Uh, Ouch. Yeah. And that's become such a busy road. I-85 across Georgia. I just drove, I'll be driving it again this week, but I mean, I just drove it a couple of weeks ago. And yeah, that, that little corridor there between uh, Atlanta and Birmingham is just booming. And I don't know yeah. about the other side, but I mean, the, the traffic is amazing on 85 now. There's a ton of it. Crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, really, like from from Greensboro, South Carolina, the whole way to Birmingham is just uh, that whole area. I can't get over how it's uh, how, how it's grown. Pretty how, congested. How yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, favorite movie: World's Fastest Indian. <laughs> That's really good. I like that. <laughs> hey, yeah. Didn't, didn't, didn't I turn? Didn't I? Wasn't I the one who told you about that movie? Like about five years ago. Yeah, I think so. You hadn't yeah. heard of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I turned you on to that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, so. yeah. It's, it's, Anthony Hopkins in that thing is just just fantastic. What a what a what a great what, again. Like you know, I'll have actors that I that I that I like or follow, or I watch movies that he's in. But, but that one is such a great story, and it's true. It's 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 yeah. amazing. Doing his toenails with a grinder. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, see you got. You know the thing about this show is somebody mentions something, and it always brings up something else in my mind. I knew a guy. One time who said here was he was an old redneck killbilly kind of guy. And he said, what the hell is the point of toenails? All they do is put holes in my socks. And he took out his own with a pair of pliers. Ouch. I am not oh, kidding. Man. I am not yeah. kidding. He revo- removed oh. all 10 toenails with a pair of pliers. Don't they? The, Don't they grow back? Yes, that's that, back? yes, that's you know, what I told him. I'm like, hey, guess what? If all you do is yank out the nail, it they're all going to grow back. Um, oh. I actually have a toenail that's been removed. I had a real problem with my big toe when okay. I was like a teenager, and they removed the nail and the growth center, so it never came back. But if all you do is yank out the nails, they're all okay. coming back. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's some pain tolerance. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Can't fix stupid with a poop. <laughs> uh, I, I hope yours was done surgically. I hope it that was, you, were, yes. you weren't awake for that, or at least they did it. I was okay, awake. Good. I got to watch it all, but I didn't have didn't have to feel it. Yeah. Uh, um, my ISX was one point one million miles on it. About four eighty on the rebuild. When I went to Pittsburgh Power at the end of July, <clears throat> I had to put a new sump on because another shop that worked on my truck they dented the pan, so I put a new pan on it. But I had noticed that my oil pressure had gone down a little bit. So while the pan was off, I said, "Pull a bearing cap and have a look." So they pulled a bearing cap and it had some wear and they pulled another one and had wear. So I okay, put a set of bearings in it. So my oil pressure was down to about 35, 36, which is still within spec. 
Mm-hmm. But even after we put the new bearings in, it didn't really go up. What's your opinion, John? Well, before you answer, John, uh, let me let me just jump in here a second because I can remember times on this show where I could go probably a year or two or more and never talk about replacing bearings on an engine unless it was an in-frame. Like, it just, we just never talk about it anymore. Almost never happens. In the last two months, I have three cases. And you've had a couple of calls lately. Three. I'm following three cases yep. now. Yours will be the third of bearing wear on these engines, and we can't figure out why. Pretty massive bearing wear on a couple of them. Yours doesn't sound all that bad. Uh, the other two are far worse. No. And, I mean, my only thought is something's got to be out. Either the block is warped or the, the uh, crank is bent. But why all of a sudden? Why do I have three well, of these? Well, you'll, you'll see that pattern on the if – it's, if, it's if it's a warped block or something wrong with the line bore, you'll see a pattern – on the bearings where the wear is, right? Not just so, going to be on the bottom. It'll you'll, it'll 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 have a you know some sort of a pattern from front to back. Uh, again, in, in Paul's case, I'm pretty sure it's not a, a misalignment or anything. I, I mean, the it, Paul, you know, the the oil pump's been on there for 1.1. I mean, I would look toward the pump or at least rebuilding the uh, the spool valve in there that, that relieves pressure. Sometimes they okay. get some scoring on the sides of them, and it'll it'll leak some pressure by even when it's not blown off. Uh, so I, I'd look in that, and again, if the number's not low enough to really worry about it. Uh, and you know, Cummins they don't really have any kind of issues with pickup. If it's for DD15, I'd say put O-rings in your oil pickup. Uh, but I mean, maybe some wear on the pump, and you're still within the number. And I'm not a huge fan. I'm enough of a fan of. Uh, modern you know oils that i don't think you need really high pressure anymore uh even even on our racing engines we run it as low as we possibly can and just make sure we have flow uh as far as the bearing wear i really think i see a lot of take a look at the spec sheets of some of the oils they're removing a lot of metals and things from oils uh zinc is still hanging around and it's absolutely necessary but some of the other stuff uh is coming out of oils and i think the oils might not be as much as i am a fan of the you know, the consistency of modern lubes and so forth. I think that there may be some things coming out of them for huh. emissions purposes. Yeah. Uh, you know, could do more research on that. But, uh, and some of those metals in the oils, you know, the additive packet that, that's in them really helps with, you know, things like startup and, and whenever they're, you know, when the pressure is really low. So, so the, you know, maybe some of the wear we're seeing now might have something to do with that or just the quality of new bearings. I mean, they just might not be as good as they were. I know, you guys were talking about the uh, polymer rather than lead on them and yeah. so forth. Uh, so then yeah, I so wonder, you know, so there are things out there that are right. You know, are the polymer bearings going to be more compatible with the new engine designs, the new oils? Maybe that's all part of it and that's fine, but the lab better start checking for polymers or we're never going to know we're having bearing. Right. You're not going to know. Yeah, they're going to have to start looking for that stuff too. And it should be hard. I mean, the, you wouldn't think the mass so. spectrometer should be able to right. pick any of that stuff out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they know the elements yeah. that are in the polymers. They should be able to figure it out. But I wouldn't be. I wouldn't panic, Paul. I mean, I really wouldn't. And okay. how, how were the were the barracks badly worn? Uh, I didn't see them. I've seen some pictures of okay. them, but um, I mean, a little copper showing is really no big deal. I mean, it's it's no, sorry. no there was no out of the there's no copper showing. Oh, well, then they're oh, not okay, bad right. at all. Well, but right, I, right. I, you got some signs of wear. Well, I had the pan off because they were putting a new pan on, 
and it's like, well, I'm right, right there. So right. yeah, I said, yeah, yeah, do it while you're in there. Yeah, that makes sense. That that just made sense. Yeah, yeah, you had the band on anyway. That's a no brainer. And, and yeah, for the cost of a set of bearings and a couple hours to put them in, that's it's not an issue. That did that yeah. didn't make sense. But I got a feeling that you know, one point one million, the slight degradation you're seeing in pressure, probably that would lean toward the pump. And okay. you know, and again, you're still you're still making enough. I wouldn't really worry about it. Uh, I just I okay. just wouldn't. <clears throat> So, and then one other thing about all these guys. Oh, oh boy. Wait to see. Oh, we, we lost him, not me. Okay. All yeah. right. Paul, are you back? Can you hear me now? Yeah, you, there you are. Go ahead. Yeah, he's back. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, These guys with the Joel's iTalk Volvo that are getting outstanding fuel mileage. Right. So, I've been thinking... Maybe I'll buy a Volvo and do the Fontaine roof on it and spec it out like Joel's eye talk. Still put my low-profile tires on it. And if he can get 11 and he runs 70 mile an hour, I think I can get 7 if I stay at 62, even though i got ugly aerodynamics. I think you could. I think it'd be worth a shot. I mean, yeah. yeah. I, if you're looking for a new truck, I, I think you could probably get seven or eight. I, I really do. And you know how big your savings are going to be if you do it. I, that's way bigger than, you know, the people that are moving from nine to 10. I mean, their savings are nice, but they're not that big. You move a car hauler up into the yep. seven range and you're going to be killing it. Well, since I since I left Pittsburgh Power, I got my I got my my ninety day average. I've got it back up from five point three, back up to five point six. Good, good. So, yeah. So the the overhead, my I do have a new turbo. The overhead might have been out a bit, but you know, comparing right. comparing knock on wood. Your current number to the average car hauler, you are doing like 25% better. That's huge. Yeah, you're doing great. Right. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, know, I know guys and they, oh, look, I got five miles a gallon today. And they're happy. And it's like, I got five miles a gallon today. It's like, crap. Yeah, and they got 4.1 4. yesterday. Usually, <laughs> usually, usually I, know, I know why I get the go below the five. There's a, there's a weight reason one time, and then the route I go because of the weight I am is the second reason that it goes down. But yeah, I like the extra revenue. There you go. That's right. Yeah, yeah but you, you, that's when you, it matters, right? At least you know. Yeah. Yep. Ten pays. Ten cars pays more than nine cars. Well, and that's also why we put up with you know four and a half miles per gallon out of a car hauler. They can afford it because of the revenue. Just because you can afford it doesn't mean you should exactly. be happy with it, yeah. though. Yeah, well, right. Very seldom do I ever go below five miles a gallon on any You know, that was, that was the one thing that kind of made me crazy when I was over at FedEx and I was doing the accounting for these line haul guys. I saw their numbers. I saw my numbers. And I would sit down and I would say, guys, look at this. Look at how much money you're throwing away. Well, who cares? I mean, that was their attitude. I buy a new truck every two years. I can afford it. I, and I would think, I get it. I know you can afford it, but it's not that much harder to make a whole lot more. 
but yeah, that's La- more money in your pocket. Why not? Right. You know, uh, last last weekend, I fueled in Terrell, Texas. I went up to Oklahoma, and my that was the evening that my um, boot blew off the turbo pulling the hill, and I got it empty in Oklahoma on the Monday, and then I went back home, and then I left Tuesday, and I came back to Terrell, Texas, and I fueled again. I was at 5.96 miles to the gallon, and then the, I went to Mississippi empty, and then I fueled up again in Alabama, and I was on 6.38 for that second fuel up that week. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So since I mentioned FedEx, I, I want to throw this out because I haven't done this in a while. Um, but I, I would love for somebody, anybody, FedEx contractors, whoever, uh, I would love for somebody to tell me why 90 plus percent, I don't know the scientific number, but I, I know it pretty well. It's above 90 percent. Why 90 percent of the tractors pulling FedEx doubles around are tandems. It's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> because that's how they've no always done it. It does. It makes absolutely that's, no that's right. sense. None. We pull doubles. You should have single axles. You should have six by or four by twos. That's it. Not even a six by yeah, two easy, with the yeah. lift axle. Yep. Just get rid of it all. Because now right. you get rid of that axle, you can tighten up that gap really tight, which is another big advantage. It, right. And, you know, Tires, brakes, fuel mileage, everything, all those extra parts, the extra length of the tractor that you just don't need, the hitting bumps twice and, right. you know, with your drive axles instead of just once, it affects the ride even. So I, I just don't get it. And I started saying this 30 years ago when I got my contract and nothing's changed. It's still the same. Yeah. Huh. But their attitude is, who I cares? I'm doing great. I buy new trucks oh, every I'm two gonna, years. I'm keep my yeah. eyes open now. Oh, yeah. Look, watch. I'm on I-81, and I just had an XPO Logistics truck pass me that was a tandem that was a single axle, and it was super tight, and it had a bunch of aero stuff on it. So whoever XPO is, they, they, they got it right. There you so, go. Single axle tandem with everything nice and tight. I'll keep my eye open for FedEx. I'll let you know how many I see that are their tandems. My, maybe they maybe they finally figured it out. Nope. My guess is this entire trip from now till the time you get home, you won't find one. <laughs> well, an RNL just passed me uh, that was a tandem with with uh, that, that was double axle. So yeah. Yeah, I'm going to be sensitive to this now. I'm going to keep account. Yeah, you should. Mm-hmm. Good. All right, Paul. What else so, you got? Uh, All right. Well, since you started talking about FedEx doubles, I got always. I was thinking one day, it's like, what could I do if I wanted to do something different than car hauling? But I don't want to do produce or anything like that. And I thought, I'll go haul so, chemicals. But but chemical sometimes with chemical get hazmat. Sometimes with chemical, <laughs> you can't haul you can't haul this product in the same trailer as you're hauling this product. And I thought. I'll spec out a set of doubles, and I even I got it worked out in my head. Instead of being a A train, it'd be a B train, but you'd still be able to <laughs> put either <laughs> unit as the front one. There you go. So, but uh, but uh, I thought well, I'd have to find someone so, that 
that wanted that, but I thought it was a pretty good business idea. So you know, we uh, I, I don't think I'm not we do it. Hauling cars yet? Yeah, I don't think we do enough of that in this industry. I don't think we look around for those unique opportunities where we could, you know, set up different trailer configurations and really improve things. We we just don't do much of that. You know, I remember the response from one of the contractors at FedEx back then. He was a friend of mine. I did his accounting, so I knew his numbers. And I asked him. I said. John, what are you thinking? Why do you keep buying tandems? And this guy had 10 trucks. He was a 10-truck contractor, and he bought brand-new trucks every two oh, the years. resale value. He, he was on a, every two years. Now, that, that would have been possibly, except if you look, single-axle sleepers hold their price better than any other truck on the market because they're so hard to find. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's a supply and demand issue. I used to want, I gave up trying to buy single axle sleepers. I would just buy tandems and convert them. It was cheaper. Just buy a tandem and make it a single axle. It was cheaper. They hold their price really well. So the resale argument doesn't work. Um, I looked at him and he said, well, I don't know that I'm always going to be at FedEx. I might have to go do something else. I said, John, in the time I've known you, you've bought 20 tractors. 20 of them. So if something <laughs> happens and you go somewhere else, just go buy a tandem then. So what? Just trade it in. Exactly. Yeah, yeah go get one when you need one. Yeah. 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 And, the, and then, like, <laughs> that that setup that I've got it worked out in my head, like, that would just make some people, if you showed up with a set of doubles at the truck stop at night and it's like, oh, there's a spot there. I'll think I'll back into it. My, <laughs> but it would be a B train, which is easy, which is right. easy to back. And people are right. like, oh, look at that guy. He just, he yeah. just backed a set of doubles into the hole and he didn't hit nothing. Now, I, so. did, I, I did know of a, of a driver who could put, if, if he had enough room, if there's enough room at the dock um, in, in the yard itself, like at a, at a, it was a freight company, big LTL freight company at the time, Spectre. My dad worked for him. They had a driver who could put the back pop into a dock. If he had enough room, he could put it to the yep. dock. That's pretty wow. – that, that takes some skill. Yeah. It's opposite again, right? You, you turn normal when you, when you have a tandem, right? So you well, turn just like you're it, it, up without a trailer at all. It, it's not if, even that. If you've it's, got a it's, beach – it's Really, here's the only way he was able to do it. Because you can't even steer normal. If you steer normal, the problem is the front trailer goes one way, the dolly goes the other, and then the third, the back trailer goes another direction. So it, it's the dolly okay. that really, that's why the B train oh, yeah, works. Yeah, the dolly that screws you up. Right. Okay. That's why the B train works. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. But yeah. it's that, that converter yeah, if you're, dolly if you're that. You're in a B train and you want to. Go ahead. If you're in a B train and you want the back trailer to go to the left, you turn the tractor to go to the left. Right. But yeah. a, a converter but, dolly, but some people, it won't it's work. Like, yeah. Yeah, because you've got to go right, then left, then uh, right, uh, left. Uh, yeah, it's and then... It's uh, like pushing a piece of string. That's exactly right. <laughs> so the way you do it, the way you do it is not... The backing up part isn't important. It's the going forward part. And that's why he needs enough room. He needed like... There was a certain number of dock doors. So he would swing right up by the dock and drive right next to the dock. He'd have to. So when he and and it's right. all making the turn at the right time so that in right the shortest time. amount of distance you're perfectly lined up to the dock, and he didn't have to back up very far. 
because you can't keep him straight for long. But that was the whole trick. It wasn't back. Yeah. He wasn't good at backing up. He was just really good at going forward and lining it up the right way. Line it up the right way, then didn't land it in the right spot. Yeah. If you see some, if you see some of those guys in Aussie back in their road trains, but they got forty-five foot trailers. I think they have. Yeah, forty-five. I think. And uh, there's a few videos out there, guys backing two trailers, the semi or the tractor, with a semi with another forty-five foot trailer behind it, backing it up to hook on the third trailer. I've seen videos of that. Oh, so it can't yeah. be done, but it take a lot take a lot of practice. But yeah. they got three, two or three actual dollies on them, and the drawbar is longer than the FedEx. Yeah, so they, so they they turn a little slower. You've got a little more room to back up before yeah. they get all wonkied. And and in, in the outback, you got a lot more room. <laughs> it has, it has to look like a snake. They, they move like a snake. Yeah, that's really yeah, cool. Yeah, and they also have good shrimp on the Barbie. <laughs> Shrimp's the bottom feeders like a snail, in my opinion. Uh, okay, I'll let, I'll, let, I'll let someone else get off. All have right, fun. see ya. Hey, we have a celebrity with us, uh, John. Steve, oh, welcome. Yeah, Steve again? Yeah, Steve yeah. Uh, how do I know? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about backing up trailers, uh, just uh, when I was in the dump truck business working down at the sewage treatment plant, uh, you know, doing some concrete removal or something, uh, guys uh, backing up their doubles to load up the Morganite. I, I was always very impressed with that. They, they wouldn't back them straight up. They'd be on a curve. They'd kind of set up a curve and they'd go right ahead. Oh, I, yeah. I, their talent, I could never do that. But, uh, um, anyways, listening today, I, I think I've convinced myself that I need a overhead done on my <laughs> on my truck. And... <laughs> One's last time I was well, up. Uh, I don't know. I've got to look back. It was probably a couple of years ago, but that's probably like a hundred thousand miles for me, you know. So um, I, I need to get the Jake brake fixed too. Here in a couple callers ago, his Jake brake going in the background. I miss that so. I got to get that work. And I, the uh, Jake brake and the, um, uh, cruise control doesn't work. They go out at the same time. So something electrical and I don't really want to figure it out. So I, I think I got to make an appointment and go in and get it done. Cause I, um, I should have, I, I'm having a hard time getting over 12, which I should be doing easily. Uh, <laughs> and, um, I noticed when I start up, I don't idle, so I, I don't really, you know, it's not a big thing for me. But when it uh, when it is idling, I can tell it's just a little uneven, not the the uh, kind of loping that uh, Detroit do, but it just I, I don't know. Maybe it's that what you're talking about, uh, where it's turning off the every other cylinder or something. I don't know if that's in the DBAC four, if that's like a DBAC. I'm pretty sure we didn't have that in your program. I know, I know guys, you guys have been in there since then, but I know, I know for a fact that they'd write that out, especially one like yours. Cause it's yours. Is, yeah. Your, yours is pretty special. So yeah. Well, and I, I never idle anyway, so it's not a huge, not a huge deal, but uh, yeah. So I think it's a little bit, not quite as smooth as I, I'd like it, and I do have a little bit of soot, 
uh, more so than I should. I'm, I'm pretty careful with the throttle because I, I could make all kinds of soot in the beginning if I want to if I want to mash on it, you know. So I don't do that. But uh, I, I, I think I must need a overhead done, so I'll have to take a field trip over to Pittsburgh because. I'm too old. Yeah. I, I don't want to learn how to, to do the overhead on it. I used to do the 855 Cummins all the time. I'm sure it wouldn't be a big deal, but I need to get that uh, electrical issue issue taken care of anyway. So There you go. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, you know, it's time. Yeah. Early on, uh, early in the show, you were talking about things uh, – you know, the big things take care of the big things first. And uh, the, the project with Matt's trailer there and truck, you know, we, we spent a lot of time and it was kind of underwhelming, you know, and uh, a little disappointing. But uh, I couldn't put side skirts on the time. They didn't have the mounting stuff for it. So, um, and I said he really needs to because he's got those two tanks sideways. We kind of, uh, we knew we had to cover those up because he goes north and south, so he gets a lot of crosswind all the time. And the way you got to look at those tanks underneath the trailer that are full width, and it's like uh, having a pontoon boat with the pontoon sideways, you know. <laughs> yep. So it's catching the wind. So even though we really closed up a lot of that gap. The gap really wasn't the problem, you know? I mean, it's, we've improved it, but, uh, you know, they're there is catching those tanks and mixing it up, and, you know, it, it, it just causes problems that uh, it covers up all the the other improvements, you know? So um, I got a I, – I called – I talked to him yesterday, you know, and he's thinking maybe in October he can have them put on, but uh, – Oh, that's next. Uh, what truck is that? Is that on Matt's T six hundred? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we we closed up the the gap. I mean, we added uh, was it a foot? You know, something. Like, well, way more than that on the roof. We we uh, yes. probably twenty seven inches, something like that. I don't exactly remember, but uh, um, yeah, he should he should be in the nine. So he only got one nine, you know, and he was light. But uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty sure once he gets the side skirts on it, to, you know, it'll help. So um, that's that's pretty good for that. And that's a cat in there, right? That's uh, what's that's a that's a six NZ, isn't it? I believe. Well, gosh, I don't know. I, I don't. Yeah, I don't pay that much attention to the engines. I wish he would have got a six by two when he uh, he got that cut off and, and did that project, but. Uh, um, you know, he had some problems when he uh, converted his other truck there when he had six by two, but that's when it was uh, with a twenty thousand pounder. I'll tell you what, when I did mine and I took the uh, differential out to check it, and uh, boy, that's twenty three thousand pound. There's a lot of extra metal there compared to yeah, there uh, is twenty thousand. <laughs> Those are two very yeah, different yeah. differentials. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, they pull uh, those big trains down in Australia with, uh, I, I don't know, maybe they're bigger than 23,000 pounds, but uh, uh, I, I know I'm not going to be uh, busting it with the work I do. Exactly. Yeah. I had an, yeah. I, I had an interesting load uh, 
the last load I had was kind of interesting. It was expansive. It's the second load of this I've had. I took it to uh, Brighton, Colorado. You know, I don't normally volunteer to go to Colorado, but it was uh, 44 pallets. Uh, it's 44 totes, four by four. And the whole loads under six thousand pounds. Oh, nice! So the cardboard, the cardboard and the uh, pallets weigh more <laughs> than the freight. <laughs> I, I've never seen it. I don't. It, it's it's like hauling air. I I've never seen this stuff, but they make explosives out of it. It's a, um, oh wow! You know, a flammable solid, and I have a feeling they put an expansive. It probably means it expands so it helps with the explosion i gotta look into it more it's pretty interesting though but yeah you get you look at it and it's like oh man that's going to be heavy you know you get double stacks. <laughs> yeah 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 uh, you get some interesting yeah, stuff and that, that's all three landstar right yeah i know you uh, once yeah. told me you had a had a load that was nothing but a, a uh a, a liquid tote right in the middle of your trailer and they wouldn't tell you what it was and it just paid really well and you took it uh, I don't. I don't remember. You, you said you saw, you once told me you had a tote. They, they said the whole load was yeah. nothing but a tote. Hey, <laughs> hey you want to know? You want to know an interesting load oh, in God. trucking? I knew somebody that moved money around between treasuries, pallets oh. of bills. Yeah. Oh, awesome! Yeah. Yeah, pallets. They got to get there somehow, right? Exactly. It's got to move that stuff somehow. It's got to get there. Yep. Yeah, Mark Mark called uh, to the mint uh, the blanks for making money. Right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there too. It's kind of. Yeah. All right. Security is a big deal. Hey, Steve, we, we are going to move along. This day is just never-ending. The calls just keep coming in. <laughs> <laughs> and we keep talking and talking and talking. So uh, let, let's try to try to get through a couple of these. Let's go to Ontario. Kyle, welcome to the program. Hello, Kevin. How are you today? Good. What's on your mind? So um, a question and a couple comments for you. Sure. Um I, I've been off the road, uh, for about two years now due to a big injury that I had. Um, and I was considering getting into truck shows. Um, do you know, like, is there a way to find out like a, like a market for truck shows? Like how to, how to get into them? Well, I'm not sure what you mean. Do you mean like, like a, a show truck where they judge the trucks, that kind of a truck show? Yeah. So you want to build a, a show truck and then go show it? Correct. Oh, well, it's really easy and really, really, really expensive and time-consuming, but it's really easy. I mean, you just, I mean, you can Google truck shows that, you know, the Louisville Truck Show has a big show that's run by um, Randall Riley called Pride and Polish. That's probably, I, I don't know a lot about truck shows. It's not like I study them, but if you're around the industry enough, you kind of know what's going on. I would think that Pride and Polish may be one of the bigger programs they do it at the dallas truck show and the louisville truck show they used to do it i think at las vegas when they had that show uh so you could start there um and honestly once you go to one show and you meet the other people that show just ask them 
I mean, they're going to have the best information. Um, yeah, like I say, I, I don't really follow it, but there's there's plenty of opportunities. Um, there there are quite a few of these kind of shows around the country. Okay, so my comments that I got for you, I was listening earlier about the um, I'm got put on a term now, but the, the quick pay uh, factoring the um, whatever factoring factoring, yep. factoring yeah. Sorry, my memory is not the greatest anymore, unfortunately, um, but. If you're trying to compare it to like credit cards and stuff, like I know with the, I keep one credit card that had a limit of like five hundred dollars for like my tool, like if I want to buy tools and that kind of stuff. I think it's like sixteen percent interest if I don't pay it within that month, but it's like an APR sixteen percent. So what I do is every time I get paid, like I work for a, I used to work for a company. And every pay, I would put what I spent in that two-week period on it so I didn't have to pay the interest. But the nice thing is, instead of getting a cash advance from the carrier where they charge you like 8%, I pay a $5 fee on my credit card and then pay it back as soon as I got paid. Yeah, exactly. And there are even other strategies, too. An even better strategy, if you have the ability, like almost everybody who's in business should have the ability to get a credit card that they could do this with. And I would say if you don't have the ability to get a credit card that you could do this with, you probably shouldn't be in business. There are other bigger problems there. Uh, But a better way to do this. That's the big thing about it. If you can, is a home equity line of credit. Now you could be looking at, you know, three or 4% interest, even if you wanted to carry it as, as a balance. And that would be three well, or 4% a, percent a year, not three or 4% a month. Yeah. And the big thing I always tell guys that want to get into owner ops is know your numbers. And I know that's a big thing for you is knowing your numbers. Yeah. And that's, I think, the biggest problem a lot of these guys have is not knowing your numbers. Exactly. Yeah, there's no doubt. And then they want to argue about stuff like this, and, and they don't have a clue because they've never really... Hey, hey, John, move your boom. Slid up again. Oh, wait, I decided to step outside. Oh, no, outside. maybe that's I, not uh, you. Kyle, that must be uh, you. You must have your... Was, was it? I, I walked okay. outside. But, okay. Uh, there we go. I'm good now. But I think a lot of the guys are just I don't know if I don't know if they're ignorant or just lazy and they don't want to know these things. To uh, be it, successful. It, it's mostly ignorance. And ignorance is not really an insult. We're all ignorant about a lot of things. Ignorant just means you don't know something. You haven't been exposed to it. It's not that you can't understand it, you just have never been exposed to it. So I do think most of it is ignorance. It, it they I mean, where would you learn this? Yeah. Uh, you could go to you could go through I, all twelve years to... of our public school. You could go to another four years of many many college programs. You wouldn't learn any of this stuff. No, you got to learn more by just doing it. And yeah, you you, know, you have to resources. you have to go out and seek out this kind of information. We we're never really exposed to it. Yeah. But the last thing I was going to tell you is part of my injury is I, I found out recently that I had a, a fracture in, in, I think, my T4, T5 in that region. Okay. And um, so I, I picked up smoking again, unfortunately, and it was causing 
uh, it was causing back spasms. And they found out that the back spasms were because the blood flow to that area was limited because I was smoking. Yeah. So I quit smoking and I haven't had a spasm since. That's awesome. Yeah. That, that, that's inflammation. They were debilitating. Yep. So I, I don't know if I told you about my accent, but it's, it was a horrendous thing, but it was, I've had to relearn how to walk, how to shower, oh, how to boy. eat, how to breathe and wow. all that. Yeah. Oh, wow. I fell off the, I, I was hauling ATVs and then the ramp broke from under me and I fell I, foot. I do remember this. When you first called me, I remember that story. The ATVs yeah. triggered it. Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But I broke three ribs, broke my shoulder and broke my skull. That's a lot of pain. Ouch. That is a lot of pain. Yeah. Wow. Well, I was in a coma for, I was in a coma for three weeks. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's tough to recover from. Well, good job recovering. Well, stay, off the, stay off those cigarettes. That's right. Yeah. Well, it was cigars that I was smoking. Oh, okay. Not not as bad, honestly. It's really not, but uh, it's no. still bad. It's still bad, but not quite as bad. But yeah, you know, hey, um, truck shows could be a, a good uh, activity for you. Actually, I like that. Right. It's, yeah, um, sure. Yeah. Let's go. Hey to, guys. Oh, you got to run. Uh, two things. Uh, I'm out of fuel. Yeah, my headsets <laughs> are about to run out of the battery. It's been beeping in my ear, and uh, I got to right. pee too. So there you I'm go. Gonna, uh, well, I'm going to jump off. So well, you're right. Um, We'll cut you loose for the day. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Take care. (laughs) All right. All right. All right, Kevin. We'll see. Eric, go ahead. Kevin, I wish I could be a fly on the riverbank watching you Uh, (laughs) run that uh, wing foil. Yeah, we're we're videoing, but of course I'm going to, you know, edit it and make it look much better than reality really was. (laughs) <laughs> no, I want to see the live live guy. It'd be good it, entertainment. Yeah, it, the best one didn't make it to film. I was out there by myself, but uh, I learned mm. that on this particular setup, the wing and the foil, you don't try to save crashes. If you start to head to it, just let right. it happen. Yeah, don't try to save it. Just let it happen. And I learned that because the first time I tried to save one, um, luckily it turned into a very slow speed crash. Um, as I was trying to save it, I lost a lot of power in the wing and I slowed down quite a bit, which helped. Um, but I got my legs tangled up in the, um, foil underneath the board. And that's bad because there's all kinds of sharp edges down there and it's hard, uh, carbon fiber. And my head bounced off the leading edge of the wing, um, pretty hard. I mean, I was seeing stars. The The leading edge, the whole edge of the wing, the leading edge and all the way around is inflated. So it's this really heavy-duty fabric, um, and you inflate it to... Yep. It, it's only eight pounds of pressure, but my God, that thing is as hard as concrete when you get it to eight pounds of pressure, and my head bounced off that. So I realized then, when you oh. feel it going sideways, let go of the wing and just be a noodle. Just fall backwards off the board, let go of the wing. Don't try to save it. It, it, it can go really wrong. You feel a little softer landing? Yes. Yeah. So, um, fastest Indian, uh, Burt Monroe. That is an inspirational story. He was born in 1899. He died in 1978. 
Wow. And he just would not quit. I think he came over here to the Salt Flats in late 60s, early 70s. And I think he would really enjoy that movie. Um, could you imagine a guy like that? I mean, you haven't seen the movie, so you might not know, but he, he just, we've, he, he, he cast his own pistons. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. Can you imagine if he was, yeah. if, if, he, if he was born in like the 50s, right. can you imagine what he could have done with oh, technology? Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's pretty He would incredible. have been known for a lot more than a, he would have been known for a lot more than a, a hundred year old motorcycle on the salt flat. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> um, speaking of motorcycles, I've been listening a long time and I didn't know that you rode motorcycles, dirt bikes as a kid. Oh boy. I got my first, I got my first Honda mini trail 50 when I was six. Um, when I was seven, I got the XR 75 Honda. Um, and not long after that, Suzuki brought out the RM series um, which was probably the closest thing at the time you could buy to a factory race bike. Uh, it was pretty much yeah. light years ahead of everybody else, but only for about six months. And then everybody else brought out, you know, and then many- that was after that, you know, the, the factory bikes aren't that much different from what they sell these days. Not like it used to be. How many times did you break a collarbone or a tib fib in your lower leg? Uh, separated my left shoulder Never? twice. Okay. Sa- same way. I, both I have times. a group of buddies who in it. Same way. I was out goofing off a group of in a field, you know, doing big drifting power slide kind of stuff, just goofing around, not nothing serious, nothing racing, just doing these big power slides and catch that edge and flip over to the high side. And the first thing that hits the ground is your shoulder separated it twice like that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I got a, about five guys I know decided to start riding dirt bikes in their forties. And I think at least four of them either broke their collarbone <laughs> or yep. lower, lower, lower leg, or yep. one guy broke his, the ball of his, uh, ball of his, uh, humerus off. Ooh. Ooh. And now his, after many attempts, surgeries to correct it, he, they just fused his, Wow. I think is humorous and the ball. To yeah. yeah, that's bad. Yeah. So I was going to ask something about um, the valve adjustment yeah. after a rebuild and in frame, but John's gone. Um, but, but just briefly then, I might have, could it be possible if the motor seems to be running fine to have some kind of a vibration caused by something out of adjustment, something loose at so, high speed at like 70, 75. So do we think it's an engine vibration? Well, that, here's the thing. And I shouldn't have done these at the same time, maybe. I, I also had my tires rotated. Well, I mean, we could still... The truck was in the same shop. We could still identify this pretty quickly. If you are at that high speed and you feel the vibration, okay. just push in the clutch and tell me what happens. Let off the throttle, okay. push it. I know the clutch. if I let off of the throttle, if I let off the throttle, it, it goes away. It's smooth. Then it's probably not it's engine. Still, the gear is- it's probably not engine. Because the okay. minute you let off the throttle, you just change yeah. that RPM dramatically and nothing happened to the vibration. So it's not very likely that it's an engine at that point. Um, if it was an engine, I, I had the I, I can tell you the answer 
about the only thing that really causes these kinds of vibrations in an in, in, in an engine after an in-frame is that the cylinder kits are so far out of balance. And we've checked them. We bought brand new mm. cylinder kits and we would weigh the connecting rods. And we had some that from right. the lightest to the heaviest, they were 100 grams off. That's a lot. So the first mm. thing we would do is just open up four or five of these kits and then start mixing and matching parts. And you can get them pretty darn close yourself if you have multiple kits. And then they, the connecting mm -hmm. rods all have those spots on them where you can grind off to get the weight down. But nobody does this. Oh, yeah. Nobody does this. And most people aren't willing to pay for it. I mean, there's extra labor there. There's extra labor. You got to send the stuff out to a machine shop to get them, you know, the, the grinding done. So there's a cost. But to me, it's worth it. Because if you put that engine together and they're that far off, you'll never get rid of that vibration. Mm -hmm. but it, it was I, a cat platinum kit, but that probably doesn't Yeah, I, but we've identified yours is not engine. If it goes away when you let off, that, that's, that's driveline somewhere. Driveline or wheels. Yeah. This has just been, I, I've been driving the truck for about five days now, and it's like, I go back and forth. What could it be? What could it be? Is it this? Is it that? They so uh, I'm going to investigate some other things on, on that. So hey, thank you. Here, here's what I want you to uh, do. I will I, finish I, with, go, I, go I, I could probably help you with this. Um, and you're already doing the right stuff. You're troubleshooting. When does it happen? When doesn't it happen? And eventually we figure it out. Um, but really, I want you to put a reminder on your phone. I want you to call Mike and Kevin Beckett next Thursday and get them to answer it. Well, I talked to Kevin yesterday. <laughs> oh, did you? Okay. And... <laughs> And, but I, I didn't tell them about the possible, the valve adjustment. They didn't go into that. I didn't want to run that long. Yeah. No, that's but, not um, it. This I might call back. I might, I might call back for the power hour. There you go. Yeah, we'll, we'll tackle it. Um, I'll, I'll finish with uh, factoring is a crutch. That's all it is. Th that's a good point. And you, I, I hope to, if, I have to, if I have several trucks at some point, I won't, I won't do it until I can self-support without having to do that at a minimum get a loan or line of credit but yeah. not factoring yeah no i i agree and okay. it's not and i could even say look somebody came to me and they said kevin look i i'm going to start the business and i know i'm not doing it completely right i know i don't have enough money i still have some debt but no matter what you tell me i'm going to do it well okay that's your choice i mean i'm not here to tell people how to run their life or their business or anything but i do want you to understand and if they said, I'm going to do factoring because I can't get a credit card, I don't have any good credit, I don't, I don't own a home, so my only way to finance this is to, you know, I, I would try to say, look, why don't you go just lease to a carrier for a year, um, you know, get some cash, get mm -hmm. some, but if they said, look, I'm absolutely going to do it, then I would say, look, then even still you can skip the factoring. Just work with brokers that have quick pay. And yes, you're going to pay for quick pay, but I've done the math. Most of the time, it's way more affordable than factoring. For sure. Uh, I, I never liked to do that. I don't think I ever actually did that. I was like, I can wait. I can wait 30 days, Good. 45. If Good. I really have to. That's much better. So, yep. Okay. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks for the call. One more call and we're going to wrap this up. Jerry in Illinois, you get the final word. I'm honored. 
but now after ta- after being on hold, I've got uh, <laughs> three things instead of one, but I'll make them real quick. Just met uh, in the last 10 minutes, I've met eight FedEx doubles, six out of eight were single axle, two of them were tandems. Wow. Just FYI. That's impressive. Yeah, I was a little surprised after you want your comment. Well, I was a little surprised, but I mean, they were just truck after truck so, after truck, and I started counting, and there's eight of them, and so six it, out of eight were single. Uh, you know, the last time I was on the road, and I spent a lot of time on the road this year, I, and I realized I might be a little out of touch. I haven't been in the FedEx ecosystem since 2012, but every time I'm on the road, I watch this, and it hasn't changed much. So I'm shocked that you found six out of eight. Well, I just I just report the facts, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Not well, just what you saw. No, I, just, I believe I you. Just, that I was believe what you. I saw. Yeah. Now you go to a different area. I mean, that one of them, now I didn't even count him. Now, one of them was pulling a 53-foot trailer. He was a tandem axle, but it wasn't a double. But so maybe there are a few people that would pull a full trailer load with a 53 foot and they'd need to tandem, but maybe sometimes they'll hitch onto a set of doubles. Well, no, here's how that works. So if you are a line haul contractor at FedEx, you are going to spend 99% of your time pulling pups. Sometimes it might be one. Most of the time it's going to be two, but you never would need a tandem once in a while. One of those 53-foot trailers show up. They got loaded at the shipper. It's only going to one terminal, so they just leave it in that 53-footer. There are so many contractors there that have tandems. They just give it to somebody that has a tandem. That that's all that is, and right. it, it doesn't happen very often. Yeah, but it it I, I've no, actually I just, no, I just met another one. It was it was pulling a, a single single double, but he had tandems. So I just met another it, one, so I can revise my count now. So well, there you go, there you go. And there were, I can remember <laughs> at least one time where there was one of those loaded vans, and um, we were able to get a weight on it, which normally we couldn't on our FedEx loaded trailers. We never used to know the weight, but this one had come straight from the shipper. We knew the weight and I could actually scale it with a single axle. So it was fine. There you go. So, all right, move along since you want to get this wrapped up. I, uh, there's a country music singer named Tony justice. that used to have a Facebook group. I don't even know what it is or not. And he decided to be sponsored by a factoring company. And I pointed out the uh, true cost of factoring. And he kicked me out of his group and banned me. So (laughs) imagine that. I mean, first he argued with me that, no, that can't be right. No, that can't be right. And I pointed out, I I gave him an example of how it was right. So instead of um, apologizing, he kicked me out of the group. So, which I don't care. Who cares? So anyway, the the real reason I called... uh, and here's what I really called. You mentioned somebody hauling money, and I just had a really interesting experience. It's just fascinating all the variety of stuff I can haul in a van trailer. And I hauled a load one time out of the Denver Mint, an entire semi-load of pennies. Wow. A whole oh. load of, and I figured up somehow it was about 60 some thousand dollars worth of pennies, and they were in those nylon sacks. They were just in bulk. Wow. In nylon sacks, and I hauled them from the Denver Mint to the Federal Reserve Bank in uh, Dallas, right in downtown Dallas. And it was so interesting because I got to the uh, to the receiver, the Federal Reserve Bank in Dallas, and you pull in off just—I mean, you're literally right in downtown Dallas. 
and you pull off the street just far enough to where the back of the trailer is just barely off the street, and there were three guards outside the gate, two, uh, one on each side of the tractor, and one stood right at the back of the trailer with a shotgun, just stood there the whole time. And the, both the guards on either side, they opened all the doors, they opened all my storage compartments, they put mirrors underneath the truck and everything. Wow. Before they'd ever even open, and, all, and they don't control the gate, that's all done with a guard up in a third house that's watching this whole thing so they can't even open the gate if they wanted to so anyway once they got all inspected and done then you pull in the federal reserve building or you, you pull into their facility and then you back into a dock and then they raise they close the door you're completely inside the building they close the door and then they raise a, a steel barrier in front of the door so if even if you decided to crash out you're not going to crash <laughs> out uh, and then you have to i had to unload it myself which they provide a an electric pallet jack but once you're backed up to the dock you've got two rooms they've got a, a walk-in or a well a wide door for the pallet jack a, a small room another bigger room and you've got a pallet jack at all into that far bigger room and then once you get completely unloaded they they shut and lock the door to that big room, shut and locked the door to the small room, and then they go in there and they counted all the bags and be sure everything was like it was supposed to be. And then they'd walk from the bigger room into the smaller room and then they locked the bigger room and then they'd hand your paperwork through a slot in the from the smaller room out to the dock. Wow. And that's how it was. And then once they once you get completely unloaded, then they raise the barrier and open the door and or lower the barrier, yeah. lower the steel barrier, raise the door, and you can leave. And but then you've got to get completely out of the building and let all that stuff close back down again before they'll they'll raise the barrier for the exit. Right. You know the that story you just it was told. Very very interesting. Yeah, that story you just told was a, I would hear a story like that every week from this driver, and he did. All he really did was go from mints to Federal Reserve banks and bank to bank or mint to bank yep. or bank to mint. I mean, that that was what he did. And this is the kind of security he had to deal with, along with yeah. all the security that was around while he was on the road, but you never saw it. Oh, that could be. I don't know whether my whole load of pennies, I, need, I guess I wasn't. I don't think they were too concerned with security on pennies. Now, if right. they had quarters right. or half dollars or, or dollar bills, they probably would have been. But I just thought that was interesting. I thought for a load of hell, just pass that on to you, Kevin. You know, think about it. Some, I mean, there are pallets of $100 bills. Big pallets of $100 bills. They exist. <laughs> and we have to move them around. And it's incredible amounts of money. Oh, that would be. Yeah. Yeah, I was kind of flabbergasted how many dollars worth of pennies right. I had. And just right. think, you know, nickels would be five times much and dimes would be <laughs> ten times as much. So. And then we get the anyway, $100 right, that's, bills. That's enough for yeah. one day. There you go. Yeah, all right. right. You know, well, I, thanks so much, Kevin. Have a good good weekend. Thank you. I said that was the last call, but somebody else wants to talk about factoring, so we'll take it. Pete, welcome. Hey, Kevin. Um, just want to make a quick comment. Uh, you're super popular today. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. The comment I want to make is about factoring. I I've been in trucking now seven years and, uh, you know, I made one of those late in life changes in careers and I love it. I absolutely love it. Oh, good. I've been good. listening to you for a number of years and I, and I've learned a tremendous amount about, you know, how to be smart with, with trucking and money. And one of those things is to not factor. And uh, I'm a part of a, a large Facebook group. 
And the guy that runs the group pushes factoring and it just blows me away because he is, he is super smart about, you know, everything trucking this, that, and the other. Uh, and I, and I got into a little discussion with him in a private discussion. And I said, I don't understand how you push this. Uh, it makes no sense. Everything else. I'm just curious. Does he have a sponsor that's a factoring company? Because the factoring companies really went out and tried to kind of create influencers like this. That's exactly my point. And, I, and, and you know, I know it. I realize it. And uh, the only thing he said to me was, you're not going to tell me how, how and where I'm going to make my money. I, that's fine. I, I, I get so, it. I, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're just trying to help somebody. Yeah. You know, you're not there yeah, to try yeah. to prove them wrong, just to prove them wrong. Yeah. You're actually just trying to help them. And in this case, yeah. you're trying to help him because he's influencing a lot of other people. Everything that he, you know, promotes is smart trucking business, you know, just like what you do. But when it comes to this stuff here, and I thought, this is just bizarre, you know, because it makes sense. Like the other guy said, you know, factoring is a crutch. It's, it's something that it's a tool you can use in, in the beginning, but you need to get yourself into a position where you're not dependent on that to run your business. Yeah. And, and these, these fact, look, they approached me really early on to it. And when they did, all I said was, before we talk about anything, I'm going to send you an audio clip and I want you to listen to it. And I sent him an audio clip of me explaining this to somebody with all the details. I never heard from him again. That that's the quickest way for me to shut him down. I just send him that audio clip and say, you listen to my opinion on factoring. And then if you're still interested, call me back and we'll talk. Not that we would have much to talk about, but nobody ever does. I I think it's, it's, uh, I, you know, some people will say, well, look, I just did it for a little while. And that's no big deal. And then other people will say, well, you know, they also do all my back office stuff. And like this woman I was, you know, kind of debating with today. She's like, well, we do the back office stuff free. And I said, oh, you do? Yeah. I said, well, excellent. I'm going to send my back office stuff over to you. And she said, oh, so you're going to factor? And I said, Oh, hell no. I don't want to factor. That's a horrible deal. But you just told me you do the back office stuff free. That's a great deal. I'll take it. And she's like, well, no, you have to be one of our factors. And I said, stop right there. Then it's not free. Stop saying it's free. It's not. You're lying. If it were free, you would offer it to me. I have to pay you money for a service and then you'll do this. That's not free. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're calling them on their stuff, you know, and they they don't know what to do. Like John said earlier, they kind of bow out from that discussion. Yeah, and look, I understand the people who work for factoring companies. Of course, they want to promote factoring. That's how they make money. I don't have a problem with that. But I I really have a problem with, like, influencers in the industry that, you know, whether you like factoring or not, tell the truth. Just explain what it is, at least. It's a really, really, really expensive way to borrow money is all it is. Yeah, it's a, it's a high interest credit card. Or, or a payday loan for a business. Yeah. Hey, I appreciate you, Kevin. I've learned a lot. I'm in business. I'm doing great. I love Excellent. listening to your show. Um, 
Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good Friday. You're welcome. Congratulations. All right. That's going to wrap it up. We are done. Man, that was a long day. Three and a half hours, no breaks. Good Friday, though. We'll, uh, we'll do it again next week. Have a great weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.